Movie podcast. Hello, welcome. I'm Gavin. I'm Ian. And this is the McYap and Fries Movie Podcast, in which we talk about movie-related news. We move on to uh, movie reviews after that. I'm going to be reviewing the new Michael Jackson concert movie slash documentary slash, well, just all-around show, uh, the Michael Jackson's This Is It. And because this is the Halloween show, I'll be reviewing two animated movies that have nothing to do with Halloween. I'll be reviewing Caroline and Up. Pixar's Up. Up. Pixar's Atas. And if also any- known as helium in the Philippines. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. It's known as helium in the Philippines? Man, they're fucked up people. Things you learn from IMDb. Yeah, the land where all Fs are pronounced with Ps. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this, you, Asada. This Fuck is, you. This is podcast Fuck number you, 46. 46? Mm. 46. Not 37? No, no. Oh, shit. I only realized this shit after I tried to upload and after update the data. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> But anyway, uh, before we get going, if any of you have any questions or any comments, criticisms, what have you, you may email us at podcast at com. If you think the change in theme is good or bad, or you'd like to see the old theme, or this is the older, older theme. This is actually uh, uh, the first theme that we had. Yeah, so uh, if you want to, we just got, I got tired of dueling theremins. I know, you'd never think you'd get tired of dueling theremins, but I did. Uh, I, well, to be honest with you, I'm not tired of it because that shit has nostalgic, uh, you know, like sentimental value for me. But you know what? I got no problem with this. This is a cool theme. And actually, that's a good question to pose to our listeners out there. Can you guess where the theme to this is? Because yeah, we asked it about a year ago. And no one... We asked it about a year ago and nobody knew. But uh, actually, my boss figured it out. Really? Yeah, yeah. My boss, Leon, he's like, dude, is that the theme to... <laughs> I was like, yes, it is. And he's like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> the fact that he knew that. I mean, the fact that he knew that's amazing. The fact that he knew that's amazing. And you know what? That just goes to show just how cool my boss is. Praise! <laughs> <laughs> if you can think of any other themes we should listen to, uh, we should put on, give us a shout. Bear in mind that we can't use anything recent because we'll get sued. Yes. I mean, this is a sad fact of life. We are living in a day and age where people are suing each other left, right, and center. Yeah. I mean, you know, we live in a time where McDonald's can get sued for serving hot coffee. And that says something about the asinine country that is the U.S. of A. <laughs> everybody's got rights. In fact, everybody's got too much, too many rights. Peanuts may contain nuts. <laughs> or, a, or a pecan pie. <laughs> <laughs> like like when, when Harry pecans met, are nut. <laughs> when when Harry met Sally when they're talking about their their horrible date experiences or it's like pecan pie and all of a sudden she starts to break out and like that oh my god is there nuts in this <laughs> it's pecan pie you stupid bitch <laughs> should be pecan nut pie really but but legal standards <laughs> oh god anyway moving on to news let's get kick it off the news this week we've got some exciting casting news of course Anthony Hopkins. Who, I think, did we even mention him last week? We mentioned him last week for the Wolfman trip. Did we say he'd be awesome in Thor? I think we might have. Did we? I think we did. I don't know. Maybe we should go. I'll go back and have a listen to it, but I don't actually... Maybe we should pay attention when we're pay- podcasting. Well, you know, I mean, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't realize that we're going to be referencing ourselves. <laughs> but anyway, the big news this week is that Sir Anthony Hopkins is currently in talks with Marvel Studios to co-star as the Norse god Odin in Kenneth Branagh's adaptation of The Mighty Thor. Yeah. 
This is just all kinds of awesome. This is cool. <laughs> Especially after watching that Wolfman trailer last this, week. It's like, Thor, I cast you down. How much you want to bet the trailer's going to open with him with this little smile and a little giggle. It's <laughs> the time of warrior. Uh, but, uh, I mean, some people are saying that it's a little bit surprising because um, in the comics, um, Odin... You know, Brian Blessed's pissed. Brian Blessed is pissed. But you know what? It's a Kenneth Branagh movie, so Brian Blessed is going gonna to be in there somewhere. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're going to have... Falls alive! <laughs> you're going to have a role, Brian, so don't worry. Branagh's directing it. Your fucking mate's directing it. You're, you're gonna, sorted. You're sorted. And right now, your mate's the only one who seems to be sorting you out. <laughs> so you're good. You're good. But Anthony Hopkins' Thor, this, this just stamps quality to me. This is awesome. This is awesome. It's awesome news. And... I mean, yeah, like, like I was saying before, there is some. Uh, there have been some people saying, well, it's a little surprising because in the comics, Odin is, uh, you know, he's drawn to be pretty muscular and pretty damn strong. Well, it depends on which ones, because in some of them, he's asleep, right? Yeah. They did that in the, the recent yeah. uh, Wolverine versus... The, the, uh, the Wolverine versus Thor movie. Yeah, 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 he's they, asleep they, for it, and I mean, he's very much like, it's not Denethor, because we had that chat, it's the King of the Rohirrim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's very much like a Thor kind of figure. Big beard, big, yes, big crown, yeah, big chair. This isn't the big chair. But in terms of just the uh, just capturing the spirit of the man, I can't imagine anyone better. Actually, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Anthony, this is fucking Anthony Hopkins for God's sake. It's Anthony Hopkins. It's Hannibal Lecter. It's fucking Richard Nixon. It's fucking Doctor Doctor, you know, like Harvey Kellogg, whatever the fuck his name. Is. <laughs> the Road to Wellville. I love that movie. I, I don't know many people that. Okay, the, the, as far as I'm concerned, people are uh, split into two categories: people who've never seen it, yeah. and people who hate it. <laughs> <laughs> And you're on your own. <laughs> I'm on my own. I love The Road to Wellville. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend it. It's got a kick-ass cast. Uh, Matthew Broderick, Bridget Fonda, John Cusack, Dana Carvey, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. You know, I mean... You and Anthony Hopkins is playing really weird. He's playing really weird. He's, he's like playing a, a fucked-up Colonel Saunders. He's playing a fucking bucktooth Colonel Saunders-looking guy. And it's like... <laughs> you know, like telling people, you know, like examining their shit and everything. <laughs> it's all about nutrition and stuff. It's, it's, it's the guy who came up with Kellogg. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's a fictional... Comedic look, comedic look at the guy who created the, the cornflake. The first health craze. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it's got some, actually, there's a couple lines in there that to this day I still quote, yeah. like on random. Like there's a scene in a restaurant where John Cusack, who's trying to uh, create his own brand of cornflakes that just suck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's having a business meeting with, um, you know, the guy who's like helping him is his business partner, co- yeah. played by Michael Lerner. For those of you who don't know, Michael Lerner was. Um, he played Eddie Murphy's nemesis in Harlem Nights. He also played, um, uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of his character, but he was in Barton Fink. He was the guy that hired Barton Fink to write the uh, the Wallace Beery wrestling picture after he was a kid on Broadway. Gotcha. And, um, you know, they're just talking about this and talking about that. And they come up with a genius idea. I'm back to Road to Wellville now, in case you're not keeping track. They come up with a genius idea that let's break into Kellogg's factory, steal the cornflakes, and put it in our boxes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we can say it's healthy. And I just remember, and like, and Michael Lerner has this uh, this line that I still use to this day. Ah, that's it, health. <laughs> the open sesame to the sucker's wallet. <laughs> Another line from the same scene is that because they're in the middle of lunch, and you know, prior to John Cusack turning up, you have all these close-ups of all these fry-ups. Yeah, and it just looks awesome. And uh, but because it's a period piece, nobody calls it lunch. People call it luncheon. Oh, luncheon, yes, luncheon. And uh, show me for luncheon. 
you know, and it's just like you know, like in the middle of um, it's kind of similar to uh, the Jeff Goldblum monologue in in The Fly, where in, when he's talking to Gina Davis about about his breakthrough discovery, and he keeps pouring fucking sugar into his coffee. <laughs> you know, he's like, and it's about this, and the longer rhythms of this, and this, and matches that, and like, waiter, waiter, Jesus Christ! <laughs> he's all like, all hyper because he's all in sugar, and he's turning into a fly. Yeah, and, and there's a, there's a similar thing here where Michael Lerner is just talking shop to John Cusack, and he's like, and every every five seconds, he's like, where is this man's luncheon? And to this day, if I'm waiting in a restaurant, <laughs> I still fucking say that. I was like, where is this man's luncheon? I think I've even t- tweeted it a couple of times. <laughs> but anyway, Sir Anthony Hopkins is in talks to play Odin. This is just awesome. And this is, uh, you know, like earlier, there were some, um, there were some reviews. I mean, actually, there were even some rumors that Brian Blessed was, in fact, cast as Odin. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was always kind of out there. But uh, and there was there there's been like lately over the last few weeks there's been a lot of weird casting news in regards well I should say casting rumors in regards to uh, the mighty Thor Robert De Niro's name was mentioned Jude Law was mentioned those rumors were a week later turned out to be bullshit total bullshit which I'm quite grateful for actually I mean yeah. to have Jude Law and Robert De Niro in that movie I think would just unbalance everything you know it's like you know it's it's for the same reason you never hire a star to play Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it, it overpowers the character. It overpowers the characters. Like when you on the screen, you know, when you watch the guy on the screen, you want to say that's Superman. You don't want to see. You don't want to say, oh, that's Steve McQueen. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be weird. That'd be weird <laughs> since he's dead. <laughs> uh, but as far as I'm concerned, this is great news. Great news. I mean, because I've been, I've been, because I've been thinking about that quite a lot lately. You know, who are they going to get to play Odin? Because that's actually pretty crucial casting. Yeah, and the fact that they've. And the fact that they're getting Anthony Hopkins just to me says so much about the direction that they're taking it with and um, so yeah as far as I'm concerned it's all good filming of Thor is expected to start in January for a, for a 2011 release right? for a 2011 release keeping with superheroes for a little bit uh, moving on to TV uh, Brian Michael Bendis has an update who we mentioned last week mm-hmm. he writes everything Marvel these days mm-hmm. um, before he moved to Mar- Marvel or actually dragged this to Marvel in this episode, you should check out the stuff that he's written though he is an amazing fucking writer yeah and uh, I mean even if you go back to his back stuff I mean I would I mean even though I love the stuff he's doing for Marvel I would say before you check out any of that shit go back and read some of his classics I mean like this Torso Torso fucking um, Fish is it? and uh, something Goldfish Goldfish, goldfish. Yeah, that's it Goldfish that's right because um, they're, 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 they're just crime comics, right? Yeah, they're just crime comics. I mean, and uh, what was great was later in his career is that he combined uh, his experience of writing crime comics with superheroes with this amazing title called Powers. Which is what this news is about. Um, it's going to be on FX in the US. Uh, he just gave an update to say that they, he's going to write the pilot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we're making a cop show with superhero elements to it, not a superhero show with other elements to it. It's a cop show, a dark one, hopefully in the same vein as The Shield, and it really seems to be shaping up that way. Fingers crossed for the green light. So he's aiming to go for like Dexter in kind of in terms of faithfulness of the material, which will actually be perfect. I mean, like uh, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Dexter, but what I have seen, the tone is genius. Is genius, yeah. and it's actually very much. And if they are able to capture that tone, it is very much in keeping with the with the comic. Yeah, and this comic is about uh, a guy who used to be like that universe of Superman, but then lost it. Yeah, and he teams up with this other girl, and they're basically the powers unit, and like the superheroes everywhere. And someone's killed Retro Girl. Yeah, and they're trying to. And they're going to follow the, the Who Killed Retro Girl for the story for the first season, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just like interviewing supervillains, her nemeses, trying to find out who did this and why. It is a fucking genius comic. Very good. It, I, it's CSI. It's it's the Shield. I mean, imagine if the Shield took place in a world where superheroes were real. Yeah, that's what Powers is. Yeah, and it's genius. The dialogue is astounding. The fact that he is writing the pilot is 
is fucking it fills me yeah. with so much uh, confidence because the, the banter between the two main characters is awesome they're always just giving it to each other Dina Pilgrim is the the rookie who's like going gung ho for it and he's like the older statesman kind of guy but to see that you, that relationship develop over the course of the whole series is just great it's great it's great and there's and uh, it, I mean e- even in comic book form they ma- they managed to capture the kind of chemistry that you haven't seen since Mulder and Scully yeah you know I mean it is very much these two characters aren't I mean they're not really like Mulder and Scully in terms of who they are yeah I mean Dina Pilgrim is nothing like Scully <laughs> although she is a redhead <laughs> and just as fuckable even on paper <laughs> you fuck dude I wanna I wanna fuck the family guy mom <laughs> Lois uh, 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 Kevin <laughs> oh Kevin ah, tell me you like eating red carpet <laughs> oh god <laughs> giggity <laughs> uh, but in terms of the um the sexual tension between between the two of them, and I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you think like Gavin: Is it really possible to notice sexual tension between two characters in the comic? Yes, it is. Yeah, very much so. And uh, what was the name? Omus? The guy, the guy did the artwork for it as well. It was very cool. Michael was, uh, Michael Awan Omus. Yeah, it was kind of incredible ish, but on the Oming, Oming, Oming. Yeah, it's very two D plane, but it's very cool. Very lots of use of dark colors and just uh, our use of shadow is very well done. Some of you Marvel fans may be familiar with him because he later went on to do the Thor. Yeah. So, the Thor The Thor <laughs> The Thor The mighty Thor He went up The, the Thor comic It's been a I, Thor on my side The whole time <laughs> You're just a Thor on my side <laughs> If that line turns up In the movie I'm gonna be pissed Because <laughs> somebody is Somebody out there is Somebody listening. out there Is listening to this shit And we're not getting Any fucking Fucking sponsorship Or advertising no. What was the one last year Where we were Oh it was the Expendables the We kept talking about The Expendables, the Expendables. And we kept <laughs> confirming Our casting choices It's like we kept saying All we need now Is then we cast Dolph Lundgren two Holy days, shit Two days later Dolph Lundgren <laughs> All he needs to do now Is cast Van Damme Two days later They did try He turned it down Cause he's a Dumb Belgian fuck He's an actor He's JCVD Yeah yeah I, you still haven't seen that have No you? I did I did I did It's very good It's very good This is the scene of the chair That scene That that one take monologue I mean It just like This guy can act Yeah yeah He can actually act And this, that's the thing He wants to go back to Belgium And act I mean that, You're wondering How much of this is just like Did he write it I mean how 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 did that just come up with this like Oh yeah let's do a movie Where I completely Pour my heart out on screen And like Make it look like I'm a schlub it's genius. I mean, like, uh, I, I cannot think of any better comeback vehicle ever. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, I, all I can say is, is I just hope that he fucking uses it to his advantage and that he actually tries. You know what he should do? I mean, the whole time watching it, because when, you know, you watch his old movies, you know, like, and, and I'm talking back to some real classics, fuck, you know, Double Impact, yeah. you know, Double Team, you know. I knew the Double Team. Like, <laughs> double Team. You know, double whopper, whatever. The double fuck. teams, the one with uh, Dennis Rodman, Rodman and, Rodman, and yeah. Mickey Rourke, yeah. <laughs> and Mickey Rourke, a pre the wrestler Mickey Rourke. I need money. <laughs> I can't afford a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> Thankfully, Stallone cast me in Get Carter, and now I'm returning the favor with a two scene role in The Expendables. Yeah, but um, uh, I remember like watching those movies. Is that? The biggest problem with him is that the guy can't speak English very well. Mm. And what was great about JCVD is that. He came across in a way that he's never come across before, and that's natural. Yeah, because he's not speaking English. He's not speaking English. He's speaking in, in you know what what you can only assume is his mother tongue. If that's not his mother tongue, then God only knows how much fucking no, better he would be. Belgian. Yeah, yeah. I think he even says in the movie, you know, I came to America and speak the language. Yeah, and you know what? It showed. <laughs> did he? Did he? I was. I meant to do some research afterwards. Did he really do like shitloads of drugs? 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was given that speech. He's like, no, no, dude. He was uh, he was a massive cokehead. Oh really? <laughs> he was a massive cokehead. Does he mention crystal meth or something? No. He was doing all kinds of shit. I oh, that was Andre Agassi who said he was doing crystal I mean, meth during the yeah, the Andre Agassi, yeah. Yeah, yeah, during his slump. Yeah, Thank yeah. God it didn't happen during his fucking comeback. And he faked it. He's like, he's like, yeah, oh, uh, uh, it's like, I did oh, it by accident. I did it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I just I tripped and fell into a pile of crystal meth. As you do. As you do. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, for those of you who haven't seen JCVD, even if you are not a Van Damme fan, and Ian was not, is is not a Van Damme fan. I am a Van Damme fan. No, you know. I haven't seen, fair enough, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't you know, had the time to watch some of... No, but you were... target. You were reluctant to see it. No, no, I wasn't reluctant. It was just that I couldn't get the subtitles working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because we had a faulty uh, DVD. Mm. Yes, we did. <laughs> we had a faulty DVD. I had a faulty DVD player. Uh, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You need to do something about that fucking DVD player. I just was like, I mean, I said it was good and all that shit, but I just didn't want to. I, I, I had my impression of it was that it wasn't going to be as good as it was, even though you said I don't trust you. But uh, that's, that's, that's for another time. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> awesome. We still doing that? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Next. <laughs> I'm sure I went to last week's news already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of, lot of news last week about uh, the new Mad Max movie. We didn't mention this last week, but there was rumors that Charlize Theron and... Uh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, who played uh, Picard 2 mm-hmm. in um, Nemesis. He hasn't been much since. Has uh, he? he was in uh, the recent movie, uh, Bronson, that was had been, has been getting rave reviews. That's the one about the criminal in the yeah, UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been getting rave He's reviews. He's totally unrepentant. Uh-huh. And um, apparently, from what I understand, Tom Hardy was... He's brilliant in this movie. Yeah, he doesn't play Bronson himself, does he? Um, I think he does. I, don't know. I think he does. Because there's a lot of controversy in the UK about this movie because it's about uh, this killer who's been in jail and talking about, you know, it's kind of glorifying him. Yeah. But it's like train spotting, apparently. Watching it, you're like, no, this guy's fucked his life up. Yeah. No, I mean, it's also the same thing. You know, like, he, he, got out, he got a prison and he ended up killing two guys again and then got yeah. strapped back or something. Yeah, no, I mean, but it's even the same thing, like, with, uh, you know, with Chopper. You know, I mean, like, yeah. if, if, if you're making a movie about a career criminal. You know, I mean, like, there's a reason people become career criminals. I mean, it's like it is it's cool. Because I mean, not I mean, not to say it's cool, but it's how the other half lives. You know, I mean, anything that you are unfamiliar with, anything that is far removed from your world, is going to, at the very least, appear somewhat fascinating. Yeah. You know, it's like train spotting. Watching train spotting, um, they make it look cool as fuck. However, for the, half. for the first half, yeah, you know, but however, and that's always getting lost. That's, that's always I always hold it up. It's like you say, it glamorizes it. No, wait till the last half when the baby's crawling on the fucking ceiling. Yeah, or you know, when the baby's fucking dead. Yeah. from malnutrition. If you haven't seen it by now, fuck off. No yeah. spoilers. You know, it's the only, it's the only, that's the only way you tell who the father of the baby is. You know, it's like when the baby's dead, yeah. who reacts the worst. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's fucked up. Uh, but you know, and but it's 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 always like that. Like with Chopper, I'm watching Chopper, and I'm thinking to myself, you know. At the very most, you're thinking to yourself, I would love to be this guy for like an hour. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like I have no desire to go out into a life of crime. Same thing when I see Goodfellas. You know, it's like Goodfellas, the first half of Goodfellas. Nice suits. If the whole movie was like the first half of it, everyone would be quitting school and fucking learning how to be a gangster. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I and mean. Slicing uh, garlic really thinly. Really thinly. In prison, no less. In prison. <laughs> I, I do that, actually. I tried doing that. Yeah. It's not easy. Just like- <laughs> You, you sliced the end off the end of your finger now, didn't you? Yeah, almost. <laughs> I actually tried to do it one time. It's not fucking easy. Yeah. Because <laughs> then it like it just liquefies. Razor blades aren't for cooking. It, li- it liquefies and almost purees, giving amazing flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Gordon Ramsay lately. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, Fury Road has been on the cards for a while. Uh, but this is the called Mad Max movie. Um, they mean, even went ahead and built some of the cars last year. Yeah, I mean, but this this should give you an idea as to how long this movie has been in in development. They how, built a fleet of cars. No, I mean it's like I remember. Um, it was going to be animated at one point. That was true. That was also one rumor. But I also remember at one point they were talking about this back when Mel Gibson was still a possibility. Yeah. There. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I would. I don't give a fuck. I want Mel Gibson to come back. He, do something, yeah. he can still kick ass there's no reason why he should not be a part of this movie because you only got two choices that means Tom Hardy's either going to be playing Max, Mad Max which means it's going to be a reboot which doesn't necessarily sit well no or it's like he's going to be playing some other character in which case why the fuck is it called Mad Max why not just do some new total fucking new character yeah you know so so either way I am kind of like shifting you gotta have the raggedy man in there somewhere yeah, if Bruce Spence is not in this movie, I am not watching. <laughs> that's, that's the answering of the big teeth. Yeah, so, yeah, so, got yourself some gasoline, eh? Because <laughs> he's that. Because like, yeah, I love it. Like in the second, second and third, he just like he just turns up and it's like he's, he's, he, he's not even in the first one. Is he? He's not in the first. Yeah, one, but the second and there's no there's no spark of recognition at all in the, nothing, in the third movie. It's nothing, 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 you know. And it's like fuck it. But yeah, if. You know, you got to get Mad Max. So, but yeah, so, but sort of going back to like, this is how long it's been in development. They were talking about the about this movie back in the day when Mel Gibson was a shoo Yeah. When there was no way this movie was going to go on without Mel Gibson. And, now it's and a possible movie. co-star was going to be Robert Downey Jr. Really? Yeah. Awesome. And this and this was way before his comeback. This was way before his comeback. Oh. This this was during his Ally McBeal phase. Oh right. I mean, that's how long they've been talking about doing another Mad Max movie. Yeah. But it's actually, I mean, it's all go. It's like. Uh, it's going to shot in Sydney, New South Wales next year. Budget one hundred million, and uh, they had George Miller talking to on Australian TV, showing the cars. So that's some of the cars already. There was something said ages ago on Ain't It Cool about how they had the cars ready, and they had built building the cars already. They just hadn't got the fucking movie together. I know. I mean, but this you know George Miller seems to be having a little bit of problems getting movies started because this movie is coming hot off the news after uh, his very highly publicized attempt to try and get the Justice League movie out of the way yeah. was you know just crashed and burned. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, really? I am grateful. I am grateful that that movie did not happen. Why? Because it's just, at the time when it was going to happen, you know, I mean, you know, you had, uh, you know, Superman Returns had just come out, you know, you had yeah. The Dark Knight coming out and everything, and I'm, I just don't really have any interest in watching a Justice League movie where you're getting different actors to play characters that have already been firmly established on the screen. True. You know, and... They did say, I did say something this morning, actually, that um, they're looking maybe to relaunch that Justice League uh, off the Green Lantern mm-hmm. yeah. there's a rumour about maybe making it a trilogy that will feed in and then like very much like what Marvel's doing with the Avengers perhaps I know but you know but that in itself doesn't You're stepping into a wider world but it's it, I don't know but it doesn't seem like such a good idea I mean at least with the Avengers is that they are setting up every character really nicely yeah. I mean so far knock on wood and really knock on wood uh, Marvel hasn't taken a wrong step yet. Not yet. You know, in terms of uh, in, in terms of the way they have chosen to establish the core Avengers characters. Yeah. You know, and and they're starting with the key members, like the really key, you know, like you know, like uh, Iron Man, Man, Thor, Hulk, Captain America, to kick off Justice League from a Green, Green Lantern. Lantern movie. That could be good. He gets a lot of shit, but he's like the Green Lanterns no, no, are. No, he's cool. a cool character, but. He's not the Holy Trinity. Mm. He's not the Holy Trinity of the Justice League. Yeah. If you're going to kick off a Justice League movie, you need to start... You need to throw out a Wonder Woman movie need, first and then get Brandon Ruth and uh, Christian Bale and whoever's going to play Wonder Woman. Because they, they are... you know, they, well, They've done it three times now, haven't they? The, yeah. The, 
Matt Wagner did it a while ago. Trinity, yeah, yeah. Tongo called yeah. Trinity, Tongo and it's just because they are the Trinity of the DC. Yeah, universe. yeah. I mean, you these are the three main springboards for, for for Justice League. If you do not kick it off with Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman, yeah, it it's not to say it won't work, but it changes continuity. Yeah, it changes the whole dynamic, and you know, I mean, you're dealing with. I mean, comic book, you know, comic book fans, God bless them, are fucking anal as fuck. You know, I mean, you're going to kick off a Justice League movie using Green Lantern as a springboard? I mean, somehow, I mean, for all I know, you'll find a, you'll find a way to make it work. But if you're just talking about it theoretically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You need to kick it off with the Trinity. And you know that very little scene, Justice League movie? Mm-hmm. The TV movie they made? Mm-hmm. The Justice League of America? Mm-hmm. That's been on Malaysian TV recently. New Frontier? No, no. The Justice League of America. The horror... The one where Green Lantern's wearing blue. Oh, shit. You know that really, really oh, shitty fine. one? And it actually... I mean, I've, I've heard legends. It's like it's, it's like the it's like the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. You know, it's like no one ever... They made this movie just so they could hold on to the rights and then buried it in the desert. This thing is fucking atrocious. It was on Malaysian TV. It was on Cinemax, I think it was. <laughs> and I was like... I could I was like... That, I, I can't... I couldn't look away from the horror. That almost makes up for Malaysian Cinemax not having soft porn every Friday night after midnight. The Flash <laughs> is fat. <laughs> He's got a paunch. Like, they didn't do the whole kind of like nice lighting, interesting use of uh, material for the costumes. They're in fucking spandex and it's fucking terrible. Who plays The Flash? Um... Uh, Flash is Kenny Johnston he's just this guy I mean no one is a main character David Ogden Spears is Martian Manhunter what? I know It's and this is his like hello and he doesn't move he just stands in the in the, in the training he just stands in the like their headquarters and just kind of does shit and they're all throughout they're like having the story going on with like the weatherman I think it is is played by um, Miguel Ferrer Miguel you, know the Ferrer. Guy, you know the guy from Robocop. Hot Shots Robocop, Robocop. Um, and Hot Shots War <laughs> It's fantastic. <laughs> and throughout the movie, whatever kind of pace or, you know, threat they're building up, they completely destroy by intercutting with, like, a Justice League documentary talking about how they got together. Well, had, like, the two of them talking there, and it has, like, uh, I think this ice. It's ice, yeah. This Kimberly Oja. You haven't heard of anything because she's fucking terrible. She's, like, she joins them. She's ice, you know. They have fire in it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she's like talking about, you know, the Adam. The Adam kind of likes her, but the Adam is such a fucking. Michelle Hurt? Oh, no, that's the. Uh, the Adam, John Kassir. Never heard. He's totally geeky and nebbish. And he's like, you know, she's like, well, you know, he was really. You know, uh, Ray was really nice to me in the beginning and stuff, you know? He's like, he really. He already invited me in. And he's like, oh, shucks. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? So essentially, they were trying to do. Uh, night- the real world Justice League. My God. I've heard about this, I've never seen it. Hmm. As I said, nah, this wouldn't be it. And like, you know, Martian Manhunter uses his cape because David Hawkins Stairs is an old dude. Like, he's fucking fat. He's fucking fat. Yeah. He's fuck shit. I mean, like, I can't like place any. The only movie I can think of in which he was in is a movie that Paul Reiser was in that nobody saw called Mr. Wright. <laughs> Wright spelt W-R-I-T because oh, nice. he's a you know he's a struggling Arthur. struggling writer. You know, but. I just remember seeing that movie and like, see, that, that, I mean, he's been in shitloads of movies, uh, mm. shit, shitloads of movies, but but that's the only movie right now that I can think of. I was just trying to remember, but I didn't want to say he's the guy who was in Stargate Atlantis. He's a middle-aged, old, balding, fat motherfucker. He's cool though. He's, he's got some good roles. He, I think, he, was, he has a lot of. No, I'm not talking about whether. Roles, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not talking about whether or not. But he's not right to play the fucking Martian he's Manhunter. Not, he's not the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> green fucking makeup, with fucking bare-chested fucking ribbons. 
Jesus Christ. And the Flash is like unemployed and can't get a job and can't get a girlfriend. He's just a loser and just doing the laundry. And they, they all live in the Flash and the Atom and I think um, Green Lantern all share an apartment. And Green Lantern's a dick. It's the, it's, he's playing uh, Guy Gardner, isn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, Guy Gardner. Yeah, he's playing Guy Gardner and he's fucking terrible. He's just like a guy with a. He's like a. a you know, what, what, what people wanted Brad Pitt and. Johnny Depp to be you know the kind of the, the, the quiffy kind of like heartthrob yeah. guy yeah. he's just one of those dipshits and it's fucking terrible we need to get the Astro fucking TV guy I need to find out they're showing it again it's on it was on at like midnight and then it was on the following day at 2 and I watched it again just to see was, did I dream that shit was I hammered <laughs> holy shit uh, yeah but anyway I mean like uh, well after hearing that I wouldn't mind a George Miller director just <laughs> <laughs> One thing George as well says, like, you know, you know... I am a George Miller fan. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's an amazing director. Happy was, Feet fucked me in the head. I like Happy Feet. The, 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 the last quarter is just like, what the fuck? It just takes this weird left turn and it becomes dark. So fucking dark. Yeah, and, you know, like that, that fucking scene where he's throwing the fish at the image of himself in the fucking mirror. And it's like... And he's banging his head off the wall. He's all freaking out. And he's it's like, like, he's suffering from fucking, like, you know, cooped, claustrophobia, cooped up syndrome. He says, he's... Happy Feet loses his fucking mind. <laughs> Elijah Wood needs to stop saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> then they get to do. What are we gonna do about the dancing penguins? <laughs> what are we? The, the UN. What the fuck? But then that was the funny thing as well in this interview. George Miller was saying, you know, what we really need to do now is. Um... Oh no, thunder! Uh, <laughs> flash. Um, wasn't the flash, but a flash. In that he's talking about, you know, what, what we're finding really hard is getting the good people. It, they've all left. You yeah. know, we have yeah. peaks and troughs in Australia. It's, it's up and down, especially now with the dollar being so high as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we got to do what Wellington has done. Wellington, you know, they have fucking movies going on there all the time. Weta. Weta, especially. They have. <laughs> especially Weta. I mean, but Weta will. I mean, Weta based in Wellington. Yeah, yeah. But as well as that, there's like non, non like CG movies. They're trying to. They, they, they have a studio there. They have the people there. And that's because they're keeping them there with these movies. They're planning for constant work. Yeah. And yeah. he's saying, like, it's not just Mad Max, it's Mad Max and Happy Feet. We gotta keep people here. It's like really happy feet. That's gonna keep the economy going. Well, that movie made bank. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was a huge hit. It was a huge hit. I mean, it didn't have. Uh, it's raining, in case you. Have yeah, to... yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it didn't make like Pixar type numbers, but um, it made good money. It made for for a non Pixar movie, and uh, for a, for a non Pixar movie that had nothing to do with DreamWorks, it made a lot of fucking money. Whoa. Um, but I mean, and that was the one of the first anim- animated movies that I saw in a long time that was actually about something. Yeah. I mean, it actually had something to That's say. That's the whole weird thing about, like, humans or aliens. The aliens are out here. And, uh, and, and it was the first animated movie that um, w- used real people for the human characters, and I thought that was fucking genius. Yeah. You know, that was genius. Um, but no, uh, Happy, t- Happy, Happy Feet 2 is a definite go. Yeah. It is, an, it is a definite go. Fucking Elijah Wood's turning into Will, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton? Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. He seems to, like, uh, just be uh, exclusively voice acting these days. Really? Well, I mean, like, you know, because he's, like... I haven't seen his... Oh, yeah. You know, like, fuck... No, yeah, I thought, he was in the, I thought he was in Alice in Wonderland, but no, he just Johnny Depp looks like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, Johnny Depp, as the Mad Hatter, looks fucking exactly like him. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it was, creepy. It's like, what would Elijah Wood look like if he was tall? <laughs> he looks like Johnny Depp in the, as the Mad Hatter. Uh, but, no, Happy Feet 2 is a definite go. Um... And uh, yeah, no, but Elijah Wood, he's like, he's like, uh, you know, Happy Feet, fucking, uh, what else, um, Nine. Uh, he's the voice of Spyro the Dragon in, in like uh, all the computer games and also really? in, in the new. In the, yeah, the, that's not to be proud of, that kind of shit. Dude, it's still a fucking paycheck. Yeah, I suppose. 
I don't know. I want you know Elijah Wood needs to do live action again, man. Yeah. You know, like fucking. It's like yeah, we get it. You like voice acting. Yeah. <laughs> After number one, two thousand ten, The Legend of Spyro. <laughs> He's doing it again. He's doing it again. <laughs> Beyond all boundaries, voice. voice. <laughs> Nine voice. The Legend, Legend of Spyro, Spyro Dawn of the, the Dragon, Dragon voice. <laughs> oh, the Oxford Murders. After that, The Legend of Spyro, The Eternal Night. Re- Jesus Christ, ending Spyro was that fucking popular. Jesus Christ. It's a huge game. And actually, The Legend of Spyro has got a pretty impressive cast. It's him, it's Christina Ricci, it's fucking Gary Oldman. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Blair Underwood. I mean, like... Oh, it's about a purple dragon, although they're making him dark now. Yeah. <laughs> we got to go dark. Take me to base! Take me to base! Who are you? I'm Spyro. <laughs> the dragon. What do you want to drink? Coffee. <laughs> Harvey Dent, can we trust him? <laughs> Where are we meeting? Chunka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but, uh, yeah, okay, moving on to something else. Uh, Paranormal Activity, the movie that I really, really want to see. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Paranormal Activity was shot on a budget of $15,000. Paramount Pictures picked it up for $300,000, and the studio spent less than $10 million marketing the movie. Actually, the, um, the uh, marketing campaign for Paranormal Activity was one of the smartest marketing campaigns I've ever seen, in the sense that they let the paying audience fucking vote to have it released. So it's like, uh, basically, I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like, if you... If more than like a million people vote to have this movie released wide, it will be released wide. Majority that. By city. Sorry. Uh, yeah, they did it by city or something like that. No, I think it might have been nationwide because um, it was always guaranteed uh, a limited release. I think, but um, it was not guaranteed a nationwide release. And so the uh, Paramount. <coughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> And so Paramount did this thing where it's like, if you want to see this movie, basically... Your, I think it was, it was, it was branded, if you want to see it in your city... If you want to see it in your city, then, you know, like... You need uh, to vote online. You need to vote online. Bring paranormal, paranormal Activity to your city. And uh, the trailer that they showed for it, I mean, the very first trailer for Paranormal Activity basically showed... An the, audience's reaction. An audience, audience's reactions to the movie. And, um, and it sold the movie really well. Yeah. And uh, now that movie is currently the number one movie in America. Well, it was. I don't think it is now. It's after This Is It has been released. That, that, that's probably going to knock it off. But, um, I mean, it was, it was good no, enough. It's still number one as of last weekend, so. As this, of last weekend. This is only out this weekend. I mean, but it was good enough to, knock, to not give Saw 17. <laughs> six, I think, is that? Yeah, I think it's Saw 6. I mean, it... It denied uh, the latest movie in the Saw franchise from reaching the number one spot in the history of the Saw franchise. And this... Have you seen, like, two to five? I saw one and I saw two. I really liked one. Um, Carrie Ellis. Carrie Ellis. Danny Glover. Monica Potter. Con Air. But anyway. (laughs) The first season of Boston Public. Uh, But... um, when Saw came out, Paranormal Activity was already on release for three or four weeks, and it managed to not only Make climb more. the charts, yeah. but prevent Saw 6 from hitting number one. This is the definition of a word-of-mouth movie. Word-of-mouth movie, absolutely. And now, unsurprisingly, uh, seeing as it looks like the movie is probably going to top 100 million in the U.S., Paramount is currently looking into the possibility of doing a follow-up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is a horrible idea. Yeah, no, you can't, I mean... You've seen the Blair Witch 2? Yes, I have. Blair Witch year? I saw Blair Witch, Book of Shadows. Yes. <laughs> Fucking atrocious. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. You can't the only, catch your lightning in a bottle The twice. only good thing to come out of Blair Witch 2 was Jeffrey Donovan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Mind fucked. <laughs> Jeffrey Donovan is the lead in. Um, uh, fuck. What's what's the uh, CW's uh, where talents welcomed? Burn notice. Burn notice. That's right. And yeah. he was in um, the Changeling. The Changeling. Great we're, gonna, we're gonna find your baby. Yeah, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. He's yeah. a great actor. He's like, you no, know, there's no point in looking for a child who has already been found. <laughs> if you if you haven't seen Burn Notice, go check it. The, the way I recommend to people is that it's the modern day MacGyver. In many ways, it is yeah. the modern day MacGyver, and it's got Bruce Campbell. Yes. What more do you need to fucking know? As an alcoholic ex CIA man, it's basically what if Ash worked for the government? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so Paramount is currently looking into uh, trying to see whether a sequel to Paranormal Activity could make sense in the first place. Give them $20,000. costs $15,000. Give them thirty. Leave it at that. If you give them a million, you're book fucked. of shadows. You're fucked. You're going to get book of shadows. But, I mean, I personally... I mean, when you get a movie like this, it is the very definition of lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You cannot recapture it. Yeah. You cannot recapture it. Just take your fucking money... Get, you know, like, and just use that. Get some good scripts together, and use your like, use the cachet you now have to do your superhero movie, <laughs> or just you know your 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 the adaptation you've always wanted to do with Emma or something. Just do something completely different because you're not going to be able to make it that scary again. So, and it's kind of cool, like you know, like with all this uh, like uh, thunder and lightning in the background, seeing as this is a Halloween special. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, lightning so- all, but we could try. Get to the roof. Hang on a minute. We're on the ninth floor. Let me get that empty beer bottle. <laughs> see if we can capture this shit. But, uh, yeah, so send us your thoughts. Uh, uh, podcast at thecaptainfries.com. Let us know. Do you think it is worth having a Paranormal Activity sequel? Or you can wait until it comes out and then we can see. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Or, or, how about this? Why don't you send us your thoughts on if you were going to do a sequel to Blair Witch, what would you have done? Yeah. <laughs> that would be tricky. I think we actually said last week. Uh, no. What did we? When paranormal activity is coming out here. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think we might have mentioned it. I'm not tell the show when it's coming out here. But speaking of sequels that just should not be made, Columbia Columbia Pictures has hired Eaton Cohen, the co-writer of uh, *Idiocracy* and *Tropic Thunder*, to write a script for *Men in Black* like three. three. Yeah, I saw this. Uh, in an attempt to uh, you know like uh, get one of the studio's highest-grossing franchises back in theaters. Um, as far as as far as I know, there's no current deals with Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones. That's what they say, yeah. And um, Variety magazine has uh, noted that the studio is unlikely to move forward with the project without their involvement. Duh. Yeah. Duh. Who are you going to get, Chris O'Donnell? <laughs> Who I might add was the first choice. Really? Yes. For Men in Black. For Men in Black. You're shitting me. I'm not shitting you. Why? Well, if you cast your memory back far enough, Men in Black is based on a comic. Mm-hmm. by the now non-existent company Malibu Comics. Yeah. And um, the character that Will Smith played in Men in Black in the comics was white and blonde. Oh. And the uh, original casting, the original casting was Chris O'Donnell. It was Tommy Lee Jones and Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> Chris O'Donnell and Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just thought, you know, for those of you who don't know, the movie that uh, officially made Will Smith a megastar and that is the movie I think that officially made him a megastar because he'd done Independence before that he had done ID, ID4 before that but I mean that was an ensemble piece yeah and he did share he did share that movie with Jeff Goldblum and Bill Pullman yeah uh, but the original casting was Chris O'Donnell wow. so just imagine what a different world we might be living in now we might be getting a Chris O'Donnell I Am Legend 
We might be getting a Chris O'Donnell. Cats and dogs living together. <laughs> Pandemonium. Mass hysteria. Enough. I get the point. Yeah. This man has no dick. <laughs> That'd be no. That no. But what if you're wrong? If I'm wrong, nothing happens. We go to jail peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it. But if we're right. But if I'm right, Lenny. And we can't stop this thing. Then you, Lenny, Lenny would have saved the lives yeah. of millions of registered voters. <laughs> get him out of here. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what we're quoting, Ghostbusters, you have to just turn this podcast right off now. Go watch, watch that fucking movie. It's what as good the, as they say. What the fuck are you doing if you haven't seen Ghostbusters and you're living under a fucking rock? Getting the guy from Tropic Thunder is interesting choice, though. No, no, I mean, it's it could work, but I mean... I mean, come on. I mean, like, you know, you have tons of people who write good, who write a good movie every once in a while, and then they come out with a turd. Even the sun shines on a dog's ass. The sun even shines on a dog's ass. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's just because, just because you hire a certain screenwriter. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, in, in a strange way, I'm very grateful that Kevin Smith's Superman movie never happened, because what if it sucked? And it, and that, and it could very easily suck. You don't know that, you know, I mean. No, I'm sorry, Kevin Smith's Superman movie, no. You know, I mean, it was like shit. You know, you'd have fucking Clark Kent and Lois Lane talking about, you know, like, uh, you know, like who, whose turn it is to do the dishes for like, for like twenty minutes. <laughs> Done. You know, I mean, like, I am a Kevin Smith fan, and he has written some good comics, but he's written some bad ones as well. Oh, I heard it today actually. Apparently, I haven't been listening to the Smallcast in a while. Kevin Smith's podcast. Mm-hmm. Apparently, after Zach and Mary, he had a kind of mini nervous breakdown on it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he was like saying like he's obviously lost the ability to keep in touch with people. That he was writing for previously. What? Uh, the what? Clerks, Twelve-year-olds. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dick jokes. <laughs> dick and fart jokes. Dick and fart how, jokes. How hard can it be to come up with a good dick and fart joke? So apparently on, the, on his podcast, he essentially just kind of sold out. He said, "Okay, I can't do this anymore. He's got to start doing other people's scripts and directing those." And all I can say is, about fucking time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it was fun while it lasted, but I mean, Zach and Miri, it was already wearing thin. Yeah. You know, I mean. And with a premise like that, you would have you would have expected so much more. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he he pulled it wasn't a, bad per se. It wasn't bad, but he pulled his punches, and he was one guy I didn't expect to pull his punches. And it's yeah. like, it, it it was, it was tame yeah. for what it promised. It was actually pretty tame. I yeah. mean, it had some pretty good laugh out loud moments, but you know, and and I, and I mentioned this in my review. You know, it's it's it pulled its punches, yeah. and that was the biggest shock of all. You know, it's like it, he came across like. A Catholic schoolboy fucking making stuff of shit that makes you laugh when you're in fucking third grade. Yeah. So yeah, you could do it doing some more. So we did this Shyamalan route, do someone else's shit for a while. Uh, but uh, I mean, or don't follow the Shyamalan route rather. <laughs> well, I mean, like M. M. Night Shyamalan, I'm convinced, still got it. He's just got to fucking get over himself. That's what I'm saying. If he did, he, <clears throat> you make that big sometimes. Then you gotta like you know, take a step back, be a director, or be a writer, and do one or the other for a bit, and then you know. Show that variety. Show that you can do that kind of stuff because that'll keep your money going in. But anyway, right now, Men in Black 3, it's just in the script stage. There's yeah. no deal with Will Smith. There's no deal with Tommy Lee Jones. There isn't even a deal with Barry Sonnenfeld. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think that that show could be- that, that franchise could benefit from a new director. You reckon? Because Barry Sonnenfeld's last few movies have sucked. There was something about, um, as well, Will Smith kind of saying previously that MIB 3 would, would like apologize for MIB 2 because he thought it wasn't up to par. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. MIB 2 was fucking embarrassing. I yeah. mean, it, it had some moments. Had, what's her name for Clerks 2 in it, isn't it? Uh, Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But it had Rosario Dawson before she was Rosario Dawson. Yeah. You know, so I mean, like, yeah, so, you know, it doesn't mean shit. Before she was in Rent. Before she... <laughs> we all have eight. I just like to get it in every week, once a week. Eight, eight, eight. eight, eight. Um, 
You're a big fan of the Turtles. We forgot to mention this last week. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon have spent $60 million on the Turtles. Uh, they're going to have a Kickstarter CG animated TV series, presumably to our Nickelodeon. More interesting, a live action slash CG feature film, both to premiere in 2012. No director has named yet for the feature, but apparently producers announced that John Fusco, writer of The Forbidden Kingdom. What the fuck's that? The Forbidden Kingdom was that piece of shit movie that starred Jackie Chan and Jet Li. Oh, and Shia LaBeouf. No, no, no. The guy who looked like Shia LaBeouf. The guy who was the he was the lead in Sky High. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Michael Anatasio, whatever the fuck his name is, who was fucking Kirsten Stewart, but not anymore after she met Robert Pattinson. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, sick burn. Sky High is awesome. Sky High is awesome. If you haven't seen Sky High, I highly recommend it. It's fucking The Incredibles meets Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's a soundbite. <laughs> the Incredibles meets Can Hardly Wait, but without the graduation party. <laughs> uh, but uh, it stars uh, Kurt Russell, and, um, and and just the fact that I say it stars Kurt Russell is reason enough to watch Who's it. Who's the wife? Kelly Preston. Kelly Preston, yeah. They're cool. He's like Castle. And Bruce Morris. Campbell's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, the gym, he's, he's the gym teacher. He's the gym teacher. And so is Wonder Woman. Linda Carter is the principal. Yes. It's I want, an awesome film. I want to see this movie right now. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the brain? He's like, he's like, I think, does he do the voice of Invader Zim or something? He does something like that. He's done a lot of voice work. He's just awesome as well. I was like, mm, I wish, mm. let's use my brain power to solve this problem. Mm. <laughs> Another bit of news we skipped over last week was uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Uh, news that, oh Christ, Leta Calogridis. <laughs> John for short uh, the scripter for Shutter Island and Alexander will tell the script for the 3D live action adaptation of the Japanese classic Japanese manga Ghost in the Shell for DreamWorks Pictures the did re- you even watch the TV show? have you seen, you've seen the movie have you? I've seen the movie yes. I've watched the TV show the TV show is fucking dense I mean it makes CSI look like fucking um, Tutami Toby I don't know I don't know I mean like um, but it's awesome it's awesome I know I mean Ghost in the Shell is an awesome series it's an, it's an awesome movie it's an awesome manga yeah but However, having said that, if anybody else other than James Cameron or Steven Spielberg touches this... It's dirt. It's dirt. Yeah. I mean, or, or, or maybe Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but that leads into some other news. Yes, we'll get yeah, to that. We'll get to that. Those don't know what Ghost in the Shell is. This is something that the Wachowski brothers said they were heavily influenced by, by the ma- when making The Matrix. It's basically... Uh, they're called Section 9. They're uh, super secret. They're not even... Like, even the real government don't know about them in, in Japan. Yeah. And they're, like, tasked with taking out terrorist forces against them in the future, where, like, big fucking robots are the order of the day. It is It is an amazing series. Yeah. It is absolutely show-stoppingly beautiful. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's exciting. And it's, it's deep as well, because the whole thing about it is, it's like... It's very you know, philosophical. The major Motoko, the, the major character in it, like, she, she herself is, like... As a child, she had some disease, and she's been slowly been getting like bio, bio, uh, robot parts for a long, long time. So she's pretty much a shell now. Yeah, and yeah. she actually switches bodies ever so often. And it's like, is there a ghost? The ghost is your soul, and like, how much of that is left in her? And, and there's, so nudity. there's so much nudity. <laughs> there's so much nudity. And like, just it, it's just like every there's some new technology that's come out that's fucking around with things, but very much like what happened when we were talking about the surrogates. Yeah, yeah. How you know this is a world. Yes. Where everything fits. Everything fits. It's not like, oh, there's giant fucking robots they use for construction, but everyone drives Toyotas. It's like everything looks fantastic. This and they have like the guy who's, they have a team, there's a sniper guy who's like, 
he's got a cybernetic eye so he can nail shit from like six fucking continents away this and is, only five of them this is the kind of series that um, that is it's this kind of series exactly what I was talking about like a, quite a few podcasts ago where I said that Hollywood really needs to stop remaking Japan Japan needs to start remaking Hollywood yeah because it's it's, it is a groundbreaking show and it is so ahead of its time this thing came out a long time ago yeah. nobody has thought of this shit and it's so fucking amazing that the thought of Hollywood remaking it scares the fuck out of me yeah, yeah. because I mean and I say this as a fan of the man imagine Michael Bay's Ghost in the Shell well, keep the nudity. Well, the nudity will be in there. Yeah, yeah but yeah. there'll be none of the political interest. A lot of it is just like they're even uh, the, the second series. They start maneuvering against their own people within forces within their own government, uh, trying to take them out. It's it's an amazing series, and the fact that it's being worked on by the same person who wrote Alexander doesn't really Worry. doesn't really <laughs> fill me with. I mean, I, I mean, Shutter Island hasn't come out yet, so he can't comment. But these days, who writes what is so fucking relative because so many movies these days are. You know, like, when you go see a movie and, and when the opening credits come up and it says screenplay by such and such, you are probably only seeing the names of a small handful of people that actually worked on it. Yeah, you got to wait till the end when it has, like, associate scriptwriter thing. Because yeah. they, they have to credit everyone. And, like, some of these things are just, like, it's literally designed by committee. Hollywood, Hollywood is filled with a whole bunch of people living in huge mansions. How do they afford these mansions? They write scripts. Yeah. Have you heard of them? No, no. Because they don't get credited. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, like... That, you know, like the, the little boy in me is like the thought of seeing a live action ghost in the show is like, yeah, awesome. But you know what? I want it to be directed by a Japanese person. Yes. I want Japan to do a live action ghost in the show. I don't want fucking Hollywood to do it. Yeah. You know, the only two directors that I would, the only three directors I would trust for this right now is either James Cameron, uh, Steven Spielberg, or fucking Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. Those are the only three directors I would go, I'm there. They can manage the action plus the intelligence. Yes. Anyone else, I'd be scared shitless. Mm. Actually, while we're on the subject, I'd even be scared if Spielberg was directing it. Because he'd put... He'd, he'd put she, she'd have daddy issues. Because he'd probably get it right until the last ten minutes. And then she'd and then, and then he'd just fuck it up with some fucking humanistic bullshit. Because yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you don't even see all these guys. The whole point of this thing is they're like... They are like, they, they are like James Bond on fucking acid. Even on Schindler's with List. With robot arms and legs. And even, they are like... You don't even see nothing about their personal lives. Yeah. There's nothing in there. Yeah. Spielberg's got to shoehorn in the family daddy issues. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean, even in Schindler's List, he couldn't end that movie without a showing that Liam Neeson's still alive. No. You know, they got a show of Liam Neeson at the actual actual Oscar Schindler's grave. You know, it's like, look, the real guy's dead, but the guy you've been you've fallen in love with over the last three hours, he's still alive. So it's all good. And then you ha- and then he shows all the, the It's the kid in the War of the Worlds effect. Yeah. Son should have died. The son should have died. Logic dictates that the son shouldn't have even made it five feet off the trench. Yeah. <laughs> Not only does he make it, he makes it back to the family home. Without a scratch. And gets there first. And gets there first. Tom Cruise, that crazy bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't even made. Uh, but yeah, leading back into the news, we mentioned uh, we mentioned Neil Blomkamp there, yeah. and they're talking about him or Neil, Neil Marshall, Marshall to do Dune now that Peter Berg is bailed. Yes, this is awesome news. Either one of those two, yes, will be awesome. Either one of those two motherfuckers, Madib, the, the two Neils, Neil. Okay, Neil Blomkamp. For those of you who've been living, if they the co-direct like 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 uh, uh, Spielberg and Jackson on Tintin. 
Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I don't care who's watching. I will jerk off in, in a, at a mamak stall <laughs> on my nasi goreng. <laughs> and then I'll eat it. <laughs> yeah, one sick puppy. I'll, I'll just be happy. I'll leave it at that. I might, I might raise a toast in their honor, but no, I'm going to jerk off my breakfast. I quit. I was thinking more supper. Well. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they've been remake, talking about this Dune remake for ages. Who was it? It was uh, Bird wanted some actor and he couldn't get them. Um, Did you get this news? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, like, uh, Peter Berg, for quite a long time, was attached to direct this. He wanted P- Patterson. Robert Patterson. You know what? And uh, Peter Berg's stock just went down in my book. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean... No, actually, in terms visually, yeah. Robert Patterson could play Paul Atreides. Yeah. The only problem is... Can he pull off leader of the Fremen? Well, it's not just that. I mean, if you think visually how Kyle MacLachlan looked in David Lynch's Dune, yeah. you know, with the pale skin and everything, if you imagine uh, Robert Pattinson in that, he would look exactly like fucking Edward. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's like right now... He needs to do something different. Right now, he needs to he do... He needs some- to do... What is it? He needs to do um, Salvador Dali. <laughs> <laughs> that movie. I haven't, heard, I haven't heard that movie. Since. I haven't heard anything about that movie, which tells you something. Can't even remember the title. Uh, but seeing you talking about Salvador Dali, I think I mentioned this before, but uh, I mean, uh, I've been a fan of Salvador Dali ever since I went this to... This the Dune story? Uh, no. Oh. I, I've been a fan of Salvador Dali ever since I went to this um, Dali exhibit in, in London, where it had like a whole bunch of different Salvador Dali quotes. Yeah. And I saw this one quote that was just like, you know, I've been a fan of his ever since. It's like, when I awake in the morning, I am comforted by an amazing thought. And that thought is that I am Salvador Dali. <laughs> <laughs> Because like, some of this other news, just around June, some of this other stuff was leaking out, and apparently David Lynch wanted Salvador Dali as the emperor. That and, would have been awesome. And he would only do it, he had a whole load of weird fucking provisions that he wanted, one of which was that his throne for the grand like u- ruler of the universe in the year 22,000 sat on a toilet. <laughs> his, a gold toilet would be his throne. It didn't work out that way. No, no. But I mean, I love, I love Dune, and I just want to see him. I want to make, I want to see him make it do it right. I mean, I used to. I read the books. I read. Uh, as as flawed as David Lynch's movie is, I still like it. Yeah. There's a lot to like about it. Yeah, I didn't like the design of the Ornithopters. Although you know who was originally supposed to direct that? Ridley Scott. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Ridley Scott. Before David Lynch came on board, Ridley Scott was supposed to direct that, and in it was actually um, uh, if you for those of you um, spices love. <laughs> Actually, I mean, he talks about this in quite a lot of depth. Um, Apparently, recently he said, like, you know, that Lynch was like, you know, his, his, his sandworms were too phallic. Yeah. <laughs> it's David Lynch, man. Yeah, I know. You get David Lynch to direct the sci fi. I'm surprised episode. there wasn't a dwarf in a talking backwards. <laughs> I'm surprised Robert Blake didn't turn up <laughs> and ask for his phone back. <laughs> but, no, but. Um, uh, for those of you who are interested in this kind of thing, I highly recommend that you go out and you buy the uh, Alien Quadrilogy box set oh, yeah? for the uh, for the for the uh, special features DVD of the first Alien, the one that really Scott directed, well, the only one that he directed, um, unless you count the new one that's coming out. Yeah. Um, but Ridley Scott talks in depth about his involvement in the Dune film. Oh. And how he almost didn't do Alien because that's what he was going to do. He was going to do Dune. And had he done Dune, he said, these are his words, it would have been very, very much in, in keeping with the tone of Star Wars. Oh. I mean, basically, I mean not, 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 not so much the tone, actually. I, 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 uh, my mistake. But uh, he said that um, 
his Dune would have been very much like Star Wars. Oh. It would have been essentially a big fuck-off space opera. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, but the space opera covers a lot of terms. Star Wars has taken over the, the, the thing, but I mean, the space opera could be a lot of things, and especially when you're talking about Ridley Scott. His idea of what space opera and what Star Wars means is probably completely different from what we think. But you know what? It's enough for me to go, why didn't it happen? <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we get fucking... You know, twin sting. twin peaks dune. <laughs> we get sting. We get sting. Fade, oh, fade. No, I, love, I mean, I, one of the, the cool things about the there was a dune video game. You go around the planet, taking over Freeman, taking over sieges. You know, riding the sandworms. And uh, when you want to save the game, you look in the mirror in, in the main palace. Mm. And uh, when you look in the mirror, it's kind of Lachlan. Oh yeah. 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 It's a little digital comic often, and as the game goes on, your eyes get more and more blue. Awesome. We should get into some movie uh, reviews. All right, well, just one more piece of news. All right, one last one. We're going long this week. Just one more piece of news. This is uh, an exclusive uh, that Empire Magazine had in regards to uh, John Reese Davis yeah. uh, on The Hobbit. It wasn't exclusive for long. <laughs> I got it somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know how it is, and it's like you know, same thing with any cool news. This is yeah, well, we're, cool we're just ripping off everyone else anyway. So, well, I mean, you got to get the shit from somewhere, yeah. and and fuck other websites rip off other websites all the fucking yeah, time. And Michael Bay won't return my calls. That's because you're a douche. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, John Reese Davis was, you know, uh, of course, all of you know him as uh, Gimli, uh, the dwarf in Lord of the Rings, Sala in uh, the Indiana Jones movies. I am the monarch of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he also in some like gator movie, some alligator movie or some shit? Anyway, John John Reese Davis is one of those guys that will always act because he says yes to everything. Mm. Uh, but uh, hey, sliders, case in point. Yeah, I love sliders. I think he left and came back, didn't he? <laughs> it was a parallel him. He died, and then they got a parallel him to join them because like we missed John Reese Davies, uh, Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> the f- the fat kid from Stand By Me. I was watching the the, the Bob Saget roast. Yeah. And and uh, John St- John Stamos was there. You know, it's like, and one of the guys was, you know, like they roast everybody there, right? And it's like John Stamos. He he was married to my favorite model, Rebecca Romaine O'Connell. <laughs> Dude, you lost your wife to the fat kid from Stand By Me. How do you live with yourself? Oh, it's harsh. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but uh, anyway, while despite the fact that Gimli does not appear in The Hobbit, his father Gloin does. So uh, Gimli, son of Gloin. Yes, that's right. Gimli, son of Gloin. <laughs> so um, says it. I know, I know, I know. Uh, Hugo Weaving says it. The ring cannot be destroyed, Gimli, son of Gloin, by any by any we- weapon we here possess. <laughs> <Smash>. <laughs> Uh, so Empire Magazine uh, asked him if he would go back for another go and uh, this is and I quote I have already been asked and to be honest with you I wouldn't I I have already completely ruled it out there's a sentimental part of me that would love to be involved again really I am not sure my face can take that sort of punishment anymore which brings back for those of you who haven't seen the um, extended editions of um, the Lord of the Rings particularly Return of the King um, if you haven't, uh, and if you are a Lord of the Rings fan, then you need to fucking buy these DVDs because they are exhausted yeah. in their special features. What's his name? I always give the, the guy the, the most boring man in the world who works for Weta. Richard Taylor. Richard Taylor. He's talking about, uh, we have a room here full of all the uh, weapons we use. And as you can see, the arrows have elvish characters. <laughs> like they have elvish on the arrowheads for fuck's sake. You don't even see them. 
the end of the world out there. God, we paid a lot of money for this, these special effects. It really works. <laughs> but um, there is uh, there is a part towards the um, the end of the uh, the special features on the production of um, Lord of the Rings, particularly Return of the King. Um, it's a very well known fact that John Rhys Davis hated wearing that makeup. Yeah, I mean, did did he, did he have some reaction to the makeup or the glue or something? Well, it was just like he just uh, it didn't breathe. Yeah. You know, it says, you know, he, he was getting no oxygen and his face was fucked in and um Have a chat with Doug Jones, motherfucker. See, he he, he weathers it. And you know like and uh, what happened was was that at the when he was done when he wrapped, they gave him uh the the last um cast of his face. And they said, we would like to invite you to throw this into the fire. Yeah. And apparently, now this guy's a, he's a big guy. Apparently, uh, on-site on witnesses say they've never seen a guy that big move so fast. He ran straight to the fire and chucked it in. Yeah. And there was this amazing look of glee and happiness on his face when he did it. So I have no trouble believing what he's saying. Because you literally, you only just saw his nose and his eyes. Yeah. Although I must say, it will, it's a shame. Yeah. It is a shame because he nailed that part. Yeah, he was awesome. He was awesome at that part. Actually, I mean, like that—that that, that is the one thing that I will always say about Return of the, about about the Lord of the Rings movies is that they nailed every bit of casting. Yeah, everyone was just so unbelievably well suited. Yeah, to uh, to for, for the role they played, everybody, and it does kind of make you wonder. Because, I mean, for those of you who don't know, before Viggo, Viggo Mortensen came on board, like, just a few days before they started shooting. Because Stuart Townsend was shit. Stuart Townsend was originally cast as uh, Aragorn. And then Peter Jackson saw Queen of the Damned and said, hold on a second. Well, actually, Peter Jackson is very diplomatic. When, you, when, when they asked him about it, he was like, we realized uh, that we had cast it too young. Yeah, that's what he said, yeah. I mean, this is an immature little shit. That's code for, um, there's no depth. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, but it's true. Yeah. It's true, and that's something that like uh, that I see in a lot of. Um, Townsend was Dorian Gray, and like that, the, fair enough, it wasn't a great setup to be like. But he didn't play any depth in that either. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all surface, no feeling. Yeah, but I mean, but but it's 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 not necessarily a knock on him because I mean, like uh, for example, like in a lot of Malaysian theater that I see, it seems to be very popular to cast young guys to play old people, mm. and. You can be the best actor in the world if if you're 20. You don't have the depth to play. The experience. You don't have the life experience to play a 60 year old. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing. I mean, it's like uh, Aragon's not an old man, but he's considerably older than Stuart Townsend. Yeah, he's he's the ranger. He's long lived. He's got elven blood. It's fucking Viggo Mortensen. You know, like nailed it. Nailed it. Fucking and nailed it. I love the stories of him. Even like you know, what was it there was like there was the, the cops were called out because he was wandering around offset with his sword because he just kept his hero. What they always called the hero sword is the one, the, the real sword they use, and have all the fake props ones that have like a carrying sword, that have like a climbing sword, that have all these. And he was just he would just keep it in the car with him. He would bring it home with him at night. Mm-hmm. That's how awesome he is. He, I, I love Aragorn in those movies, Son of Arathorn, fucking genius. I have to watch those movies again. I'll get, I'll get them when I go home for Christmas. I got my the big fucking boxes. I couldn't bring them back. <laughs> I gotta bring back my fucking Schmeagle eating a fish hideous fucking statue. <laughs> I got the special editions with all the the yeah. the, the, the bookends, the, yeah. like, the statues. Cool. I only got the the only one I, I got um, the uh, the Minas Tirith for Return of the King. The Minas Tirith pillbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that's kind of cool as well. Guess what I use it for? <laughs> Pills. Did <laughs> you put your bike in? And perk it in. <laughs> <laughs> Right, this one is very, very... <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and just moved on to my fucking. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on to some uh, more news. Uh, this is uh, some exciting news. This is the sequel to Sin City. And uh, for a long time, we've been getting a lot of teasing from Frank Miller and uh, Robert Rodriguez. But after the spirit came out, Frank Miller really needs to redeem himself. His stock is low. Uh, So, according to the producers of the movie, the sequel for Sin City is going to go into production in the second half of 2010 with Miller and Rodriguez once again teaming up to co-direct. Although Rodriguez has probably got his fingers crossed now. He's probably like, dude, I saw the spirit. You just do composition. <laughs> You're a fucking artist. I'm the director. And even then, somewhat loose. <laughs> uh, though uh, likely from an original script from Miller instead of directly adapting one of the books. Mm-hmm. Which is different from the news we were getting earlier. Because like, uh, for a long time, Miller was saying that the sequel was going to be a Dame to Kill for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it looks like it's going to be a completely original script. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, Again, this is like this is like fucking you know like Mad Max. This thing they've been talking about their shit for so long mm-hmm. that I'm not gonna believe shit until I see pictures on the set. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, he also and uh, also the producer also let slip that uh, Miller is busy writing another adaptation of his work, Hard Boiled, mm. which uh, has also been in development limbo for quite a while. I have it in the back room. He says, and I quote: "We're still developing it. We got the project in turnaround from Warner Brothers and Frank. It's such a pleasure to work with someone like Frank Miller." He's so smart and passionate about stories at all levels. Okay. From 1940s noir pulp to modern film. Hard Boiled, uh, which was created by uh, Miller and also Jeff Darrow. Jeff Darrow is also the guy you should thank for um, the design. Concept artist on The Matrix. Yeah, he uh, he did all of the uh, mecha. All of the mecha design for The Matrix was done by Jeff Darrow. And Jeff Darrow is an amazing fucking artist. Hardball would be a hard movie, though, because it's mainly an android getting the shit beat out of him constantly with, like, just... Lots of detail. Well, what what Harboiled, it, uh, it's about a troubled tax collector burdened with the name Nixon, <laughs> who discovers his life is a sham and he's a robot working for a shadowy organization. That gives it a lot more plot than is actually visible in the book. In the book, it's literally just him with a gun blowing shit up and yeah. cars, planes, trains just driving into him and him just keeping getting up and just fucking around. Well, it's Hollywood, dude. they got to fucking figure out a way to, you know... Like, make a plot. To make a plot. Yeah. Um, but... I wouldn't expect to see this movie anytime soon. I mean, you're going to see Sin City 2 before you see this movie, and I don't think we'll be seeing Sin City 2 anytime soon. Uh, although, this is another quote from the same producer, we've seen, Ceridi just, we've seen City just on the horizon. I don't think we'd be able to do it with Frank right away. As simple as Sin City seems, it's a very complex scheduling with all these actors, and it's a very demanding shoot to be on a soundstage all day long. Um, um, you know so what? they're paid for. You know what, dude? I'd figure out a way to deal with it. <laughs> we'll have to space it for Frank because he's busy making the spirit too because <laughs> he's not done completely pissing over Will Eisner's grave yeah yet. fuck <laughs> reviews reviews you want to go first yeah seeing as it's Halloween I'll start off with the re- one remotely scary movie I have which is Caroline uh, based on the Neil Caroline Caroline I know that's not the song I just thought sweet I'd sweet Caroline See Beautiful Girls, directed by Ted Demi. (laughs) (laughs) Caroline is based on a book written by um, Neil Gaiman. Uh, Henry Selleck wrote the screenplay and directed it. And Henry Selleck, I watched it with a close source who has read the book. Henry Selleck is the director of Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Christmas. No, no, Tim Burton did not fucking direct it. No. Actually, actually, it really sticks in Henry Selleck's claw. I could cr- crawl. Crawl. Yeah, yeah. Right. He has claw. a claw. Claw! <laughs> it's quite prone. 
No, but the thing is, with Nightmare Before Christmas, is that Henry Selleck got none of the credit. And one of the things that when you're watching Caroline and you're like, did did, did Tim Burton produce this? No, I'm like no. And it's like, oh, they just share the same weird, freaky outlook on designing things for animation. They both. It, it is. You can see the through the through line from um, uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach, and um, Caroline. It's like these things are kind of cool. There's some cute shit in there, but oh dear God, some of these animatronics are the scariest fucking things you've ever seen. The story is about a young girl called, pretty much, easily, obviously enough, Caroline, who moves into a house with her parents, away from all her friends. Her parents are played by uh, Terry Hatcher and John Hodgman. Um, they're both really busy parents. They have to get this shit done for some work stuff. And, like, Terry Hatcher comes off as a total fucking bitch of a mom. I mean, you you know, you gotta have... A, usually in these movies, you have, like, the, the progression where, like, the kid is feeling unloved and so on and so forth. But in this case, you really feel for this kid. She's getting pissed on by her parents. It's like, she walks in to say hello, and they're like, Hi, Caroline, get out busy. Or just ignore her flat out. So she's bored in this house. It's all uh, stop-motion animation. Very cute little design for uh, Caroline herself. And she starts wandering around and having a look through the different rooms of the house. Her dad tasks her with counting the windows or doing stupid shit like that. So she finds this doorway. The begin and it is quite it is quite strange for a movie. Like you know, you know there is going to be a fantasy element to it. They get to it very slowly. There's more just like her hanging out and just weird shit happening. So she finds this little door and she's like, "Where's the little door go?" And it's like, and she bugs her mom enough to the point that she does a lot of kiddish things. She's played by Dakota Fanning. A lot of kid like things like when her dad's not talking to her, she's just swinging on the door, and he's trying to write shit. And as, the, as Dakota Fanning gets older, she looks fucking bizarre. Easy tiger, <laughs> head into danger territory. I'd still do her. Uh, that's the danger territory. <laughs> Welcome to Danger Bay, population you. Mm-hmm. So she finds this little doorway. What she goes through? Call me Hound Dog. <laughs> Call me Jailbait. Um, she goes through this little doorway, and it's the same house, um, and there's a mother and father, but. They have her other mother and other father, and everyone has another mother and other father. And they're the exact same, but they have buttons for eyes. And it looks freaky as fuck. Fucking scary. <laughs> and like, you know, whereas, you know, her parents are too busy in her place, they're like, you know, they cook her dinner, it's shit. And then she goes to the other side, and there's like food, there's a gravy train, which is an actual train with gravy on it. And um, this was in the trailer. The gravy train? Yeah, the gravy train yeah. was in the trailer. Looks awesome, though. I was like, dude, I gotta get but so everything seems so much better over there and they're like we want you to stay with us and it's like you know it's all cool but there's a sinister undertone to what's going on mm-hmm. and Caroline slowly but surely discovers that you know because she goes there at night and the first few times like when she falls asleep in the bed in the other house and she wakes back in her own and she's like was it a dream and everyone's like is it a dream and uh, oh there's also this freaky thing where this guy Wybie <laughs> he's called Wybie because his, his grandmother says why you be born <laughs> He's not in the book at all, but I think what they might have done is that a lot of the book might be just in her head, mm-hmm. and that wouldn't translate well to the cinema movie. So it, he's the guy who she can explain stuff to, and uh, he's freaky, but he's also got this cool—he's got like you know those old Panavision fucking camera lenses, like the three, yep. the different, the different yep. zoom lenses. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got one of those on like a skull, like a, a welder's mask, and he just like cycles around the place and it's freaky and shit. Keith David plays the cat. Keith David. Keith David. Fucking Keith David. Keith David, for those of you who don't know, Keith David was in um, They Live. He's been in fucking almost every movie released every year. Uh, he was in Armageddon. He was. He in, was the dad in the something about something Mary. about Mary. You fucking with me? You fucking with me? He's also uh, the voice of Spawn. He's also the voice of Sergeant Johnson 
in Halo, which is basically the exact same as a poem in Aliens. Special Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. Yeah. No relation. <laughs> so it's slowly the, other, the world on the other side. You know, she has like these fucking weird neighbors. Uh, Don French and Jennifer Saunders are in as the they look like. Keith David was also uh, in uh, Men at Work. Mm. A hidden gem. Go yeah, check I it out. got it. You got it. Got it. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so she's uh, yeah, she she spends her days hanging out with the family and the, the people like upstairs. Ian McShane plays Mr. B. Like Mr. Boronofsky or something like that, and he's training mice, but the mice tell him things that he tells her. He says, like, you shouldn't go to the other place. I don't know what I'm talking about. And he jumps around the place, and he's insane looking. And uh, Don French and Jennifer Saunders, it looks like they play ex burlesque <laughs> dancers, but like, you know, and they're playing the, wrong, the opposite way. The tall, thin one with the massive breasts is uh, Don French, and the short, fat one is Jennifer Saunders. And uh, they get some quite good lines, but they're quite hard to keep up with. And they have like these massive. I have some taffy and it's like oh 1929 is a good vintage I have no idea why but I've always been strangely attracted to Jennifer Saunders I know you, you've got that MILF thing going on well at least you admit that she's a MILF yeah. a lot of Malaysians uh, when I say that I like Jennifer Saunders after they're done saying, oh fuck no after, well after they're done saying who <laughs> it's just sort of like when I, once I explain to them who they are like you're, you're weird yeah I'm like no I'm not I'm just an equal opportunist huh. you'll fuck anything that's not true. <laughs> that is not true. Sorry, you'll fuck almost anything. All right, that's something. Yeah, that's <laughs> so she, there's obviously something seriously creepy going on in this other world, and she has to do to give away too much of it. Spoil the movie for you, but there is like a lot of the kind of the tropes of children's stuff is done very well. You know, like she has to challenge the evil in this other world to get back what she needs because her parents are kidnapped by him, by her, by it, and. Uh, it gets pretty fucking hard for a kids movie. This is like, you know, this is one of these that's movies... What I, that's what I've heard. This is one of these movies that we don't... You know, kids need to be scared every so often. Kids had scary movies, you know. Gremlins... I actually had to leave Gremlins when I saw the cinema. You're a pussy. <laughs> I was like, what, eight? Something younger? When fucking Spike came out of the, the press because of, you know, when Billy's looking for the shit for his arm, I lost <laughs> my shit. My shit was all over the place. It's your shit. It's your <laughs> shit. <laughs> Uh, no, but I've, I heard that about this movie because um, uh, I mean I really want to see it. I'm a huge Neil Gaiman fan. I'm a huge Henry Selleck fan. Yeah. I even like Monkey Bone. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. It's over there. <laughs> coming, coming, coming. Yeah, can we watch it up next week? Coming soon. A review of Monkey Bone. Ding, the woman's got a loose caboose. Ding, the woman's got a loose caboose. Ding, hop on the Julia train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's no, but it, I, I, it, 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 it very it, it is very creepy and it has that and like you can see you know this is like again like I said did Tim Burton have any hand in this no Henry Selleck is just as weird weird as him no I mean, I mean Henry Selleck is an amazing fucking director I mean yeah. like he um, actually I mean I'm so glad that he's getting props for for is it Carlene or Coraline Coraline I'm so glad that he's getting props for this movie because his last two high-profile movies, he got fucked over royally. What was that one? Well, I mean, no, his last two high-profile movies were his Nightmare Before Christmas and Monkey Bone. And in both movies... No, 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 no high-profile. I mean, James, I enjoyed James and John Peach. I know, but it didn't get the same kind of attention. Yeah. It didn't. And Nightmare Before Christmas, all anybody thinks is that it's a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. And it wasn't. I mean, if... Uh, if uh, I remember reading this very, very extensive article... Uh, this interview with Henry Selick in which he says Tim Burton wasn't even there <laughs> I mean what they got was an outline yeah his Tim Burton's contribution to Nightmare Before Christmas was an outline and you can very much see this in Caroline because like there's the shit near the end where the, bad, the baddies start turning up yeah ooh nightmare material 
you know, it's, and it's just like, but nobody gave Henry Selleck any props for it, and he was there every fucking day for years. Yeah, because it, it takes fucking it, what? It, it takes a day to do two two seconds. Yeah, ten it, seconds. I mean, I mean, you're talking about a ridiculously painstaking filmmaking process, and and it looks gorgeous. Caroline, Caroline herself, yeah, is amazing. It's just cool. And then you got this. The one of the things, the things that someone's got a doll of her. And it looks just like her, and she's the only arrived in this town. So how did that? I happen? actually saw a Caroline doll um, at a toy shop. With buttons? Uh, no, without the buttons. Oh. At a toy shop yesterday. It's cool looking. It looks awesome. It's I'm, beautiful. I mean, I, you know, I had no money. I mean, I, was, I might have bought it, you know, but it, it looked fucking amazing. And Nightmare Before Christmas was just genius. And yeah. and Monkey Bone was what I like to refer to as a noble failure. Mm. However, having said that, it has a lot to recommend it in terms yeah. of just the scope of its imagination. And in that movie, uh, uh, from the same article, he says that he got fucked over. Yeah. It was just a miserable experience doing that doing that film. Uh, but it's so I'm so glad to see him get props on this because and oh and also he also did the uh, the animated sections of um, fucking Life Aquatic. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the underwater. You can see that. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. That's all Henry Selleck as well. Love so that I mean, movie. love that movie. Love that movie. But I mean, it's he's uh, a lot of people hate it. A lot of people don't get it. Yeah. A lot of people. You know, I mean, you are, you know, like when it comes to Wes Anderson movies, you if you're not with me, don't cross this line. When it comes to Wes Anderson movies, you either get it or you don't. Yeah. And it's going to be exactly the same with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Exactly, and I've heard that. Uh, but anyway, that's Caroline. Yeah. Um, it is slightly oddly structured. Um, when you're watching it, it's like it does take a while to get to the extra bits. Yeah. You know, to get to the to get to the fantastical bits, and even then, it's like you know, it's just a little off. Is but, it, it, but it doesn't. That doesn't hurt the movie. It just. Can, it can just be if you're not if you're not prepared for it. It can kind of like well, where's this going? What's going on? But. That said, loved it to pieces. Definitely go see it. Good Halloween watch. Right. Over to you. Over to me? Okay. Um, I went to see, uh, over the weekend, I went to see Michael Jackson's This Is It. Now, unless you are deaf, dumb, and blind, and living under a huge fucking rock, uh, you'd probably... With internet connection. Yeah, you'd, you'd probably know that um, Michael Jackson uh, passed away this past June. Yeah. Um, actually, even if you are deaf, dumb, and blind, and living under a rock, you would probably know yeah. that Michael Jackson passed away this past year. He's no more. Now, before I start this review, I just want to make one thing very clear. I, I am a fan. Yeah. I am a fan of Michael Jackson. And, um, you know, I mean, despite all of the shit that has uh, been hounding him <laughs> for uh, the last... Forever. Yeah, for quite a few years... Um, I've always been... I've always prided myself on being able to separate the man from the work you know I mean it was the same thing when fucking Woody Allen started fucking his daughter (laughs) sorry stepdaughter Um, you know it's like you know do I personally agree with it Uh, personally well I'd like to say I wouldn't do it myself but then again never say never Mm. however having said that I am a fan of Woody Allen I like his movies and you need to be very clear about about separating that fact when you go to see this film plus you like older women plus You know, I mean, it just happens that way. It's not to say I have to go out with all the women. It just kind of happens that way. But anyway, this is not about me. <laughs> I still fancy President Rosman. Dude, I know lots of people that, that fancy <laughs> President Rosman, all right? Mary McDonald's just awesome. Do what he did. Twice on Sundays. Nipple twist the fuck out of She's well endowed, dude. I can what are we talking about? Take the fuck out of that. But anyway, one, okay, um... I am a fan of Michael Jackson, and how mu- how you respond to this movie it will is very dependent on how you feel about Michael Jackson. If you are not a fan, 
I doubt this movie is going to convert you. Yeah. You know, um, because it's not showing you anything that you don't already know yeah. about the man, you know, in the sense that he is a dynamic performer. He is this, he is that. Because I got from the trailers, what I was more interested in seeing was the behind-the-scenes stuff oh, and, and seeing him as a person. And you do get that. And yeah. you do get that. And those moments are very nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not enough of them. Really? I mean, for the most part, we are watching a rehearsal. It's the gearing up for the 50, what was it? Yeah, the, uh, 50, this, was it 50 gigs or was it 300? This was sort of a, a double whammy. This was going to be his comeback concert and also his final tour. Mm-hmm. He was not, I mean, and he, as he says, like at the press conference, this is the final curtain call. He's Un- 50, fuck's sake. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, it, the, the, that final curtain call came a little, a, early. a little early. Now, you mentioned that he's 50. Bring that up again. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, there's something I want to connect to that. But, Okay, here's the first thing you need to know. This is a movie made for the fans. So much so that it even says that in the opening credits. Right. Yeah. I mean, in the opening credits, it's like Columbia Pictures Presents in associated with the Michael Jackson Company, blah, blah, blah. For the fans. A Kenny Ortega film for the fans. It actually says that shit. So there's no, there's no illusions about what we're about to see. Now, it's not a full-blown expose, Okay. If you are going to see this movie expecting to get some insights as to how he might have died or why, yeah. don't bother. There's nothing like that. Do you get Wait. insights into him as a person? You don't get insights to him as a person, but you get insights to him as a man who is very much in control of his work. So you really get a, you really get, you really get a sense of what the Michael Jackson, the artist, is like. And if this footage is anything to go by, he's a fucking peach. He is humble. He is soft. Anti Michael Bay. He is yeah. He's soft spoken. He never raises his voice. Even when he's fucking telling people what he wants, he never raises his voice. But you never. There's no doubt in your mind that this guy is in charge. I mean, there's one beautiful moment where he's like, uh, you know, like uh, just uh, he's doing the bass and the drum, just using his voice, telling the bass player what's wrong. He's like, do 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 do. It's got to be like that. It's got to be funky er. Okay, it's got to be funkier. And the guy's like, don't worry, Mike, we'll get it there. Yeah, get it there. You know, but he says it in such a nice way. Yeah, you don't feel pissed off. You know, and it's all sort of like, and it's so soft-spoken. It's like, all right, yeah, just get it there. You know, and in the back of your mind, like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's like, all, you, if you are expecting to see a movie watching a guy who's in his last days, watching a guy who's fucked up on drugs, you will not get it. Yeah. This movie portrays him exactly how his fans want to remember him. Okay? Now, um, you know, it's like, I cannot imagine any Michael Jackson fan not loving this, or at the very least, really liking it. Mm. Because, you know, as I said before, it's not, if you're not a Michael Jackson fan, I doubt it's going to convert you. It might, it might make you sort of look at him a little differently, Mm. because the one thing about Michael Jackson... (laughs) With, you know, like, uh, if you take away all of his court appearances and all of the shit, all the scandals, there's so much... One thing about this guy, one of the reasons why he's seen as such a freak is because there's so little known about him. Yeah. You know, so it's... Like I said before, if he didn't like a few... TV, if he done fucking Letterman or something like that, you'd, you'd know more as opposed to relying on Scuttlebutt. Well, I mean, to be fair, he did do... Um, a, a lot full, of weird shit. He did do a full-blown... Um, uh, full-blown interview on Oprah in which he did talk about you know how he was abused as a kid what was that? this was um, uh, this was uh, when it was before history it was during the whole dangerous period okay uh, still like late 90s yeah he did do a, uh, he did do an hour-long interview on Oprah yeah but it's been uh, a while it's been a while you know and also I mean all of this shit happened 
when we really needed him to come out and really talk to us as a person, he didn't. Yeah. You know, and and so because of that, people make up their own minds naturally about the kind of person that he is. And to be fair, and I say this as a fan, he was a fucking freak. Mm. You know, I mean, you all, all you need to do is look at a picture of him in Thriller, look at a picture of him before he died. The man was a fucking freak. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the same guy. You know, and I say this as a fan. You know, I mean, I love I, I love his music. You know, um, I mean, when I was a kid, fucking forget about it. The guy was a legend. Mm. You know, but it's it's one of these things where it's like you you have you have to put that aside. You have to put that aside. And even when you watch him in this movie, he looks fucked up. In terms of his face, he does not look like the Michael Jackson you remember. Yeah. His face looks like plastic, you know, which is what it is. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's funny, you know, like you, you see that for a bit and you forget about it. You forget about it because... You, you take him in as who he is right now. Yeah, who he is at that, at that point. Um, but what this film does do is that it gives you a glimpse and it really is just a glimpse of what could have very well been the concert to end all concerts. The jewel in the crown. I mean, this, this concert, if this movie is any indication, this concert would have made you two look like fucking school kids. Would have been off it the would, hook. It would have been off the hook. I mean, pyrotechnics, fucking makeup, fucking special effects, fucking film footage, actual fucking film footage made specifically for this film footage for Heal the World new shit that was awesome I don't you know I mean I've never been a real I've never really been a fan of Michael Jackson's more sentimental sort of songs like Heal the World and fucking Earth Song and fucking Will You Be There you know like all you know like Man in the Mirror I actually like I like Man in the Mirror you know but Man in the Mirror is I won't put that in the same category even though that was about something that was still a kick-ass pop song you know I mean whereas Earth Song and fucking Will You Be There and Heal the World were preachy it was preaching, but in the context of this movie, to hear it from the man himself, why he writes these songs, it makes sense. Makes sense. It's all forgiven. It's all forgiven. Fuck it. You know what? It works. You know. Uh, you know. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Heal the world, baby. I'm, I'm right there with you, Michael. You know. And but this, I mean, I cannot. There's no words I can come up with. You have to see the movie to get a, to get an idea of just what an amazing concert this was going to be. Yeah. You know? No one can tell you what this is. Is you want to see it for yourself. Morpheus can only show you the door. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, I, you know, it's like, and I was happy to take the blue pill. Mm. <laughs> it was the blue pill, right? The red pill, sorry. You went home, you, woke up, you, you went into the cinema, you, and then you woke up at home in your bed and everything was fine. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I like uh, this movie made me want to be Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. <laughs> but, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But, um... I mean, yeah, like I'm saying, there's just no way to describe how amazing this concert would have been because this movie was pieced together from two months' worth of rehearsal footage. And uh, I'll say that again. Rehearsal footage. Not even a full dress rehearsal. Pieced together. Pieced together through rehearsal footage. And It doesn't come off as ghoulish at all, does it? It doesn't come off as ghoulish. Or as a cash-in. It it doesn't come off as a cash-in, although we all know it was a fucking blatant cash-in. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I... Although I'm very glad I saw this movie, I had I didn't really have any real interest in watching it in the cinema because um, I even I found the whole thing distasteful. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, Sony Pictures announced this movie before his corpse was even cold. Yeah. And you know, can I, can I just say, and this is another thing that I want to make very clear, is that at, when he died. I completely disapprove of the media circus yeah, yeah. that that followed it. I totally. mean, it was 
ghoulish. It was ghoulish. It was, it, you know, you could almost say it was fucked up. It totally was. And what I and what I hated most about it was that after he, you know, like uh, if you had talked to after after his death, helicopter shots of the body coming out of the van going into the morgue. I know. It's like after he died. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry was standing up saying, Oh, we love you, Michael. We miss you, Michael. Michael. If you had talked to those same motherfuckers one week prior to his death, yeah. they would have been like, Who? Fucking, fucking freak, man. Fucking yeah. child fucker. Fucking this. Fucking That's what that. got me more. It was the Vox Pops. The Vox Pops pissed me off. You know, it's like, it was disgusting. Yeah. It was disgusting. People he, crying in the streets. His funeral, his funeral was a fucking disgrace as far as I'm concerned the one they televised the, the, the yeah the one they scene. televised you know I, I mean watch that. it was it was disgraceful you know I mean like uh, okay okay to be fair I enjoyed John Mayer's rendition of human nature <laughs> you know but having said that it was just wrong it, venue <laughs> it was it was a funeral it yeah. should have been a funeral not a fucking concert now I know that everyone's gonna say oh the world needed to mourn what the fuck are you talking about you don't even know the guy you don't know the guy one week like I said, if I had asked you same fuckers one week before his death, how do you feel about Michael Jackson? You probably would have said he was a freak, you know, and you wouldn't have been off the mark. Yeah. You know, like he was a freak, fucking child molester, this child molester, that. Now, as far as, as far as his child molestation case is concerned, personally, I don't think he did it, but I could be wrong. I don't give a fuck. It's besides of course, the point. Of course, he didn't do it, so we must live with that. It's besides the point. I yeah. mean, you know, you, you'll never fucking know anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, uh, he... One thing I've always understood, one thing I've always believed about Michael Jackson is that this is a guy who never had the chance to have a normal life. Never, ne- grew, up. never grew up. He was Peter Pan. He was Peter Pan, you know? And, and you know, like, uh, and I'm very lyrically driven. I mean, like, when I listen to music, you know, because I'm not very, because I can't play fucking music or anything, so what I have to hold on to is the lyrics. Mm. And, and I'm the kind of guy that will fucking, you know, go into the CD sleeve, read the lyrics, listen to the, listen to the song, and look at the lyrics, and try to get a sense of the guy singing it. Oh. And um, he sang a song which uh, was also the main theme for Free Willy 2, unfortunately, uh, called My Childhood. And um, that was probably the closest I think I ever got to to getting a sense of who he was. Who he was. And the lyrics in that song is... Um, you know, like people say I'm not okay because I like such elementary things, but it's been my way to compensate for the childhood that I've never known. Yeah. And that's you know, I you know, that yeah, like I said that's like I said, it's probably the closest I think any of us have ever got to to actually getting a sense of what it's like to live this guy's life. You know, I mean I mean think about it for a second. This is a guy who has been a megastar since he was five. Yeah. And his dad was a dickhead. And his dad was an abusive prick who, even after his death, continued to be even more of a prick. I mean, using your son's death to try and sell your new record label, I hope you burn in hell. Yeah. You know, even if I wasn't a fan of Michael Jackson, I'd be like, I hope you burn in hell. That's a fucked up thing to do. Hmm. You know? And so it's like, you know, bearing all that in mind, you know, like, you know, as a fan watching this shit, you can't help but feel sad. You can't help but feel sad. You know, it's they like. Lost, that the world is lost. You know, and it's like, and like I was saying earlier, this was this is pieced together through rehearsal footage. It's not even a full dress rehearsal. They hadn't even gone to London yet. Oh, really? Yeah, this was, you know, I mean, he died eight days before they were supposed to leave for London. Oh, shit. You know, to, to do the full dress rehearsals there. And the footage was meant for, for, uh, for Jackson's private collection. Um, and as Roger Ebert put it in his review, and he gave it four stars, by the way, uh, Michael Jackson would probably never, ever want his fans to see this footage. Because, I mean, one thing that is very clear watching this footage is that this man was a perfectionist 
right down to the letter. Yeah. And this was for his, you know, honestly. Just I, so he could review it and see, make a better. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't think he would want us to see this shit. You know, but it's the best. It's the closest we're ever going to get to seeing this concert. I, and, and, and you've seen it twice. <laughs> yeah, let's, not, let's not go there. <laughs> um, you know, and the reason he probably wouldn't want to see, uh, he wouldn't want his fans to see this, is because he's not giving it everything. Yeah, he's not. But having said that, this is Michael Jackson, and even when he's not, this giving, is it. And even when he's not giving it everything, he's still an amazingly dynamic performer. Cool. You know, and okay, let me put it this way. If regular rehearsal footage can give me chills, imagine God what knows the show, what. Show. Imagine what the fucking show can do. This is yeah. on a worldwide two-week release. It is on a yeah. It's open simultaneously through a worldwide release for two weeks. I I mean I mean I recommend you see that if you are a fan, you must see this. You yeah. owe it to yourself to see this if you are a fan. If you are not a fan, then the movie is not going to interest you anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, the film is directed by Kenny Ortega, who was Michael Jackson's creative partner in putting the show together. He also directed the musicals Newsies, uh-huh, which Christian Bale starred in. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, and um, he also directed the High School Musical movies, but you know, let's not hold that against him. No. And he's also a well-known choreographer. He choreographed all the dance moves in Dirty Dancing, oh. um, and also many other stuff. Sure. Um, some of the highlights uh, of it I mean for me um, when he sang Human Nature uh, this is like about three or four songs into it and he's working with a vocal coach and he's like you know just to like come up with a different way to maybe like play, you know like to sing it and he's having fun and he's experimenting with it and it's kick ass cool. and it's great fun to watch um, Smooth Criminal fucking awesome because what they've done I mean like I, I mentioned earlier that they had shot like a uh, movie footage yeah uh, new movie footage for it what they have done is that uh, for those of you who remember the movie Moonwalker yeah uh, where uh, Joe Pesci <laughs> you know Joe Pesci played the villain and yeah. they and they had this whole sort of like uh, gangster style sequence in which you know he comes in there what they've what they've done with this is that they've kind of taken 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 a leap out of that book and what they've done is that they have using you know like uh, green screen and everything they have put him in Gilda the movie Gilda with Rita Hayworth. Really? Yeah, yeah. Where Gilda's like singing, you know, like she's doing that little striptease, you know, like, yeah. you know, like and, and singing, and Michael Jackson's in the audience watching it. Sweet. You know, and then like you know she you know she chucks her fucking like can't remember her glove or whatever. And Michael Jackson catches it, puts it in his side pocket, and then all of a sudden like you know like people are, like watching what's he doing here? Like characters from the Gilda movie, and then this other guy turns around and it's fucking Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> From a, from a Humphrey Bogart movie and then, it's, it, then it starts this sort of short film that leads into Smooth Criminal sweet and it's fucking awesome and another highlight was of course Thriller yeah in which they again they shot they, they reshot some new fucking monster m- monster footage in 3D ooh and so you get glasses we supposed to get glasses I guess I guess I don't know but and it looks awesome and you know, the same thing like Billy Jean. Billy Jean, the the he's not your lover. Yeah, I mean, he's also got this bit with uh, I just can't, I just can't stop loving you, which is another highlight where he's uh, singing with his backup dancer, this chick called Judith, and you can tell this chick is intimidated. Yeah, singing next to him, and and he is all over her, dude. I mean, he like he's he, you know like uh you know like uh he's going like really close to her, like grabbing her really close, you know like you know like fucking. Like really getting into it's gonna be hot. it, really getting into it, right? And you know she starts like you know like uh, fucking jazzing with her with her vocals and everything. And Michael Jackson, you can tell he's like, "Oh, I ain't gonna let you top me." <laughs> and he starts singing back, and he starts tearing his voice up and like, ah, it's like doing all this shit. And then after the song's over, he's like, 
Why'd you make me do that? Why'd you make me do that? I'm supposed to be... I'm conserving my voice. Why'd you make me do that shit? You know, he doesn't say shit. He does say shit once, though. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, like, it's in... It's, I think it's in human nature. Where he's like... And he's got this weird way of getting into it, like, with his fucking moves. And the audience that I saw it with were like... They were cracking up in certain places. Because some of his moves... Weird. When he's getting into it, are kind of weird. And... You know, and he's just like, and he fucks up, and he's like, shit! You know, and, and that, that was cool. Just, like, it's like hearing Leonard Nimoy say shit in that outtake from Star Trek. He says fuck, doesn't he? He says fuck, yeah. <laughs> says, but Billy, the, the bit of Billie Jean is probably the closest that we will get to, to, to getting a glimpse of how intense that concert might have been. Because there's one bit where he does this sort of dance solo on his own, and he's performing in front of his crew and dancers, and they're losing it. They're like, they're fucking losing it. And you can tell that these guys love it. Yeah. And after he's done, he just sort of says, that should give you a feel of it. Nice. You know, and it's, so it's, it basically it's like, you know what, as good as you think this is, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. It's like, you know, that should give you a feel of it. But, the, you know, like, the whole thing about watching it, there was one part, um, there was, I can't, it was like, Halfway through the movie, I'm watching him and he's dancing and everything, and it suddenly dawned on me. It's like going back to what you say, like you know, this is a 50 year old man. He, a 50 year old man doesn't move that good. Yeah, you know, spry. I mean, you, God, he looks like his dance moves are still as sharp as they were in Thriller. As they we were couldn't in, pull him off. No, we couldn't pull him. <laughs> but it's like you're watching this and you're just thinking this does not look like a man who's about to drop dead in a month. Yeah. You know, and that, and that hit me pretty hard, the fact that I was watching someone who, in a month, was going to be dead. You know, and, and you're watching this, you're, you're just sort of, you're just sort of like watching him dance, watching him talk to his crew, you, and you, he just appears so full of life and so full of energy mm. that you can't wrap your head around the fact that in a month's time, he's going to die. And, and, and it's like, you're just watching, I mean, like, the whole thing is just, a spectacle mm. you know you get one thing that you get an idea it's like it's like for um, they don't really care about us mm -hmm. they were going to use green screen and turn his to multiply his dancers oh yeah so so you'd have 10 backup dancers that would be multiplied and become 10 hundred whoa you know so you it would look like it, it stretches to infinity the amount of people that'd be working on it it would be just like dancing to this song and it's just one classic number after another sweet it's just one classic number after another and the one thing that you that that, that uh, was very sort of clear for me uh, is that we will never see his any, like again. We will never ever see anybody like this ever again, and that's saying something. Yeah. You really, I mean, when you think about the level of talent that's on display, you know, I mean, like when you think about all of the people that we admire, you know, like you know, you think about you two, think about Madonna, think about all these fuckers. There's like, nothing about them. Nothing. We will never ever see anyone like this again, and. This movie does succeed in pulling that off. Cool. For me. But, but like I said earlier, I mean, it is a movie made for the fans. If you hate Michael Jackson, I don't think this movie is going to make any difference to your life. No. You know, but if you are a fan, uh, I mean, shit, I remember when I was a kid, you know, this guy was a fucking legend. You know, and, and if I look back on my life trying to think of people, like uh, artists that have impacted, uh, you. impacted me in that way, really, there really isn't anyone that can touch this guy. What he did. I mean... No one has ever made me look forward to the premiere of a music video. Yeah. You know, but I remember back in the day, it's like the new Michael Jackson video. Fuck, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. there. Yeah. I'm there. You I remember know? watching on Top of the Pops back in the UK, you fucking know? Smooth Criminals, like, holy shit. shit. Music yeah. doesn't start for like three minutes. <laughs> 
I know. It's just the kids and just the shit. And crazy shit, you know. Like putting on the coin. The music video for Bad, you know, the song didn't start for like ten minutes. You know, he's all there and it's like fucking black and white. It's directed by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> you know, it's like Wesley Snipes turns up. It's like what the fuck is going on? But it's just we'll we'll never see this. We'll never see his like again. Yeah. Never. And that that is sad. Sad. And that's my review. Okay, well, I'll wrap up then with my review of Up. Finally, got to see Up. After talking about it for so fucking long. Out of the gate, I need to say... Is John Ratzenberger, like, under contract with Pixar? He just seems to turn up. John Ratzenberger, <laughs> you, you, stop looking at my notes, bitch. <laughs> John Ratzenberger's in this. I mean, I loved... Have you seen Cars? Uh, yeah. Have you seen the end of Cars, the credit sequence? Which part? Like, where they have the, all the cars watching the movies in the drive-thru? No. They have at the, at the end of like John Ratzenberger, he wasn't Norm. He was the other guy in Cheers. Cliff. Cliff. Could not fucking remember that. Cliff. Hey, uh, Sam. Where can I go? <laughs> I want to watch Cheers. With <laughs> John Ratzenberger has been in every big Pixar movie. He's the pig in Toy Story. He is the big truck in Cars. He's uh, the circus ringmaster in uh, A Bug's Life. He's been in all of them, and a Cars, they did a beautiful homage, where they have all the cars watching all the Pixar movies on a, a, like, a drive-in movie, because they're all cars, they can't go to proper cinemas, but there aren't, no one builds proper cinemas, they're all cars. And um, they have like a Bug's Life, but it's like the Bugs are like, you know, it's a VW Bug's Life, or it has Woody and, and um, Buzz, but they're like toy, they're toy cars. It's like Woody is a cowboy car, and Buzz is a... The other type of car, and then it shows the pig car, and he's like, "Oh, this guy! I love this guy's voice!" And it's it's him talking about his own voice work. He's like, "I love this guy's voice," and it's like, you know, Toy Story, and then it's like uh, Finding Nemo. He's like, "Who's that guy again?" And then he gets to a book He's like, "Hang on a second, they just give this guy a role in every fucking movie." <laughs> it's brilliant. You need to see that. It's the extras on um on Cars, but uh, up. We've discussed before that you have, let's say, issues with the manipulativeness of uh, Pixar movies. Yeah, this coming from the guy who just got manipulated the fuck out of in Michael Jackson's. This is yeah. You, I think that's your, I think that's your border. It's like in in a in a in a movie thing, in like a, like a live action movie. There's so much manipulation you can get in there from the actors acting and from the editing. Yeah. Whereas I think maybe what your problem is is that with Pixar, they have it actually down to the actual pixel. The manipulation is to that level. They have got like the hair on the person's head blowing in the wind a certain way, and their hair is awesome. This, to the point where you're like, they put a lot of work into this, and maybe that's where your problem is. But no, no, my, my, my problem with with Pixar manipulation is that it it it's not okay. Like okay, let perfect example. Let's take Wally. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen Wally, you may want to close your ears because I'm going to say how it ends. Yeah. Like the whole thing with Wally is that. He's a fucking robot. And by having him come back to life... Just He's moved beyond his basic circuitry. No, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. At the end of the day, circuitry is still circuitry. Dude, I'm, you're in the arts. I'm an IT guy. Shit happened. It's a bug. It's a bug. It's a bug in the program. Well, then, then they it's should... It's a bug's life Well, the then you know what? They should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> the way they did it was that he comes back to life because another robot holds his fucking hand. Reminds me who he is. It was all stored in uh, off, off central. It wasn't stored in a, a central processing unit. It was stored in a. Look, se- I'm not, off, I'm not off, saying off it, I'm not saying it doesn't work. The movie made fucking bank, and I am clearly in the minority. And I and there was a lot about Wally that I flat out loved. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
but I think what I have the issues that I have with them is that Pixar are they're, look let's face it they're fucking geniuses yeah the guys who work there are fucking geniuses and to they, have this much of a role is ridiculous and they just A Bug's Life is the only dip they've had well uh, I didn't money wise well, oh, yeah okay I guess but I mean yeah no no I mean but they, they deserve their success in the sense and critic wise as well yeah 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 I mean they deserve their success they're fucking geniuses they know yeah. exactly what they're doing they know what they're doing but what what, so, what kind of annoys me about the movies that they do is that they have they are with every movie of late they are on the way to do something truly fucking original yeah. and tr- something truly groundbreaking but they always cop out at the end they always go Spielberg at the end this and may be the one for you although they do the bit of Spielberg but this is I mean my, my initial notes for this was Gavin is going to fucking hate this movie <laughs> <laughs> see it? yeah I see it it's there on my lap. No, and I didn't hate Wally. Mm. I didn't. I didn't hate the end. Disappointed. I just felt that it was a cop out because yeah. because Wally, especially more than any other film they've done, they came so close to doing something that was truly groundbreakingly fucking amazing. The new style of running. The, exactly. And you know what? I think it still would have been just as big had yeah. they done that. You know, I mean, the first half of Wally was genius. Yeah. It was genius, and it was so totally absorbing. Yeah. And, and, I, those, and those 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 harrowing bits in there. You were fine, right? Yeah. When he's playing with like the yeah, bad yeah, shit. Yeah, I, I love that. I thought that was genius. I thought that was great. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, because we, I mean, we, we, we live in a time now where, where movies aren't what they used to be. Where you know, movies yeah. are done by, are made by committee now. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I mean, and they probably always were, but at least they were better at hiding it back then. Mm. You know, but I mean, it's now. It's like when you see movies, it's like you know exactly what's going to happen. And Wally, you didn't know. Mm. You didn't know where it was going to take you, and I loved that. And when they took you to the most obvious place. Then you're a little disappointed. It just disappointed me. I didn't hate the movie, you know. But anyway, that that's my issue with the whole manipulation thing is that is that they they manipulate when they don't need to. They already have you. Yeah. They already have you by the balls. Yeah, yeah. You're already there. It's a Pixar movie. You're there. Yeah, you're there. And I mean, this is I mean, this is a very difficult movie to review. I know I, I put there, and you're going to hate this movie, but it is very touch and go whether you will because I know you do like those love stories between older couples. Yeah, and there is a lot of this. Like it does start compared to the trailers and stuff like that. The trailers always concentrate on Carl Fredrickson as an old man. Yeah, and it starts as him as a kid, and he meets this insane kid. And like I think there's been a lot of talk about that. The first, it's not ten minutes. It's like it's the first. It's the first twenty minutes, and it's like meeting this other kid, and they share um, the love of this adventure, uh, played by Christopher Plummer, Charles Muntz, <laughs> who like travels the world doing adventure because adventure is out there and um, they share this love of it and they do this montage and it is a very much I think it's the, the the reference big reference I've heard is the Citizen Kane it's mm. a reference of like within like a, a, it is a 10 minute period but they get their entire life in that mm-hmm. and it's very much like the beginning of Wally with the, those bits going on where it's just them doing mundane shit around the house you know they have they, they want to go to Peru and go to Paradise Falls and see Charles Mons chase down this mythical beast but you know they have like they, they keep putting like she does and you know what Pixar always have their, 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 their concept art is very flat you know like at the end of What Monsters Inc that all kind of flat door uh, art yeah, yeah, yeah. they have that in the movie as well <laughs> you like them then yeah the, the papadums are good what? you know what but um, they have, she, she does this beautiful painting obviously done by the best in Pixar of the, their house on top of this waterfall and like they always want to go there and they have this jar they put the money in but then like you know shit breaks in the car tree falls in the house there's all these little things going on but you get their life in 10 minutes and it's, it is beautiful it is actually 
very exceedingly well done. It's touch and go what it's manipulative, but it's like you could you could do this with the real life actors and it would still work perfectly. And just even the the it's su- subtlety of things, you know, like just them watching the windows and still looking at each other and seeing the love in each other's eyes, or having a picnic, they go up this certain hill. And as they get older, it starts getting a little harder to get up that hill. Mm-hmm. And then you know, they're, I don't think it's a spoiler, but they're crushed when they can't have kids. Right. And um, she works in the zoo. He sells balloons, and they're just they're happy. What? She sells balloons. He sells balloons. She works in the zoo. Like she's like a tour guide in the zoo in the petting zoo, and he like sells balloons nearby, and they're like just idyllic. And they bought the house that they met in, which is like this old rundown house and shit. And they have this lovely relationship going on all in the first like 15, 20 minutes. But unfortunately, she dies before him, and that's not spoiling anything because everything you see, he's a cranky ass bastard, and like his life is pretty much like he gets all his shit together. It's like he's going out. Then he walks outside. Then he gets his hat on, and he walks outside, locks up all of the locks. He sits down in the chair on the porch and takes his hat off and that's it for the day. <laughs> so he's retired now and he's, he's not cranky as such. I mean, the, 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 he's played by Ed Asner. The trailers have played him off as cranky but he's not quite that cranky. He just wants, you know, he, he is in a bad spot. His he, house is the only house left in the block. It used to be like a suburb and now it's all the city. He's not so much cranky. He's just lost the love of his life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, which, will, which will be a downer for most yeah, people. Which is, and this is the, it, it doesn't really feel like for kids. Um, so... You know, that's another thing about Pixar is that they is that they don't play down to kids. No, they don't. Well, until, until there is some the stuff. There is some stuff later the on. There is some stuff later on. There is some stuff later on that might get in there. But it does actually. The the, the, the key message of this movie is the journey is what's important, not the destination. So, as you may have seen from all the trailers and shit, he um, something happens. I don't want to spoil it. It's where John Ratzenberger turns up. But something turns up that he can't just continue on with his life, mm-hmm. and it's he's going to be put in a home. Right, and that's when. He's like, fuck it, I'm a helium guy. So he gets all the balloons. Fucking like, you know, the, the, it's very subtle. You don't even see him do it. He just goes into his house and the lights go out. And he looks at his wife and looks at the picture. The lights come back up. The sun comes up outside, you know, it's a time-lapse shot. And then uh, the, the guys from the nursing home come to collect him. And they say, man, he keeps his house in such good order. You think he keep his yard in order. And there's all these, like, cylinders of, like, shit that's lying around. And then the balloons come out through the roof. And there's some of the most beautiful imagery in this is where the house just takes off and it's flying across the city. And uh, he's just sitting there, relaxing. He's set his course. He's going to Peru. He's going to Paradise Falls. Then you hear this. <laughs> and it's again, some, some of the most beautiful animation in this is the little reactions. Yeah. Or the little shit that has nothing to do with the plot, but it's actually, Mike, someone had to sit there in front of a computer for 30, 40 hours or days even to get this to look like someone just reacting no but that's something and that's always you expect that no I mean but that's something uh, that's something that uh, I think you know Pixar can pride themselves on I mean yeah. they do that better than anybody yeah. I mean the, I mean, the, the thing is like, the, where, where they really started to hit their stride in terms of like human reactions was the Incredibles yeah I mean just so yeah. real because there is a there is a there is a perception that like you know computer animation does all the work for you it fucking doesn't it does all the lighting when you push it where it is it renders it but you still have to animate, like you know, you could you could you could use procedural programs as an IT person to generate the the move. <laughs> but if you've ever played a video game, you've seen people walking weird. And then this, you see them actually, they look so real. The shots when, when there's no one in it, it's real. When you see hands, even though they're like little stubby hands for the kid, the, skeef, the knocking on the doors is like scout who wanted to help him out because he needs his uh, assisting the elderly badge. Mm-hmm. And this kid's a long way for the ride, and he's fucking annoying. It's the last thing in the world. Uh, Carl needs 
but it's the most it's the biggest thing in the world that he actually it's, it's, it's the last thing he wants but it's the biggest thing he needs in right. his life is to get him back in touch with people and get in touch with humanity right so they go to Peru and there's some adventures on the way and when they get there there's like uh, they run into that mud sky Christopher, Christopher Mud. it goes in quite a weird direction from that you really it's very hard to review because they don't want to give too much away yeah yeah um one of the directors actually does the voice of a dog. There's these dogs turn up later on, and they all have voice callers. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked before about animals and Pixar movies, or maybe I heard it somewhere else. Oh, no, like, I, I, was t- I was talking about how a friend of mine, uh, Patrick, um, made this very spot-on comment about the way Pixar do animals and the way other, other animation houses do animals. Is that Pixar, other animation houses, when they have animal characters, they, they're animals on the outside, but the way they behave and the way like they people. speak are like people. And this... They're fucking animals because they're dogs, but they're still dogs. And it's like, oh, hello, I've just met you, but I love you. And then he's licking him, and it's like, I will take you to my master, squirrel. <laughs> and he just stops dead. And he's like, no, that was not a squirrel. And there's a whole load of just genius stuff with but the But I dogs. think other people are catching on to this because you were saying in, uh, last week that uh, they do that in Cloudy, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Steve! <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's quite weird to have these two animated movies with both having characters who can speak. But they're like, they're still dogs, and there's this other character in it which is just. There's a 30 second segment, and this comes down to within that 30 seconds, this character does something with the kid. There's a numerous things with the kid, but it's fucking genius. Just the thing, like, you're just playing with the kid. You're just playing. The dog and the. Yeah, it's not a dog, something else, but I don't want to spoil it. Alright. Because it is a big reveal, and it's just playing with the kid. Like, it just it likes the kid and it wants to play with it. And uh, the things it does, like at one point it's lying on its back and it has the kid hugged around it, and the look of pure joy on its face is amazing for something that, like, it's not real, like for a start, it's not really a real world animal, but also that's animated, you know, that's created by polygons and fucking shit like that, and meshes. And it's just like, oh, you know what I mean? It really is. The one key way to describe this movie is it's sweet. It is very fucking sweet. I mean, the whole shit about himself and his, and his um, wife is very sweet. Now, when they get to Peru, they're a little bit further away than they want to. The whole, his whole drive is he wants to get the house to where it was in her painting. She just painted the house on top of the falls. And he wants to get it to there. But along the way, he realizes that maybe that's not the goal. There's other shit comes up, and he has to decide whether he wants to... Ed, Ed Asner is brilliant. Ed. Whether he should... Well, Ed Asner is a brilliant actor. Absolutely. Should he get there... If he gets there, will it be will it be the be end all and end all, or should he help out the people he met along the way? And it's it's really good. I'm, I'm, I haven't figured out. I only watched it last night, so I haven't figured out where it fits in the pantheon of the, the Pixar movies. Like, I mean, Toy Story is always my top. And Toy, Story, Toy Story two is always my top. No buzz. I am your father. <laughs> no. Uh, for me, Toy Story. Toy Story one. Yeah, Toy Story one is the top of the heap for me. Followed by Incredibles, but this is very yeah, this is very hard to fit in with those because, like I said, there's not an awful lot of cute like this, the, the animals are cute, but they're not the driver for it. Cranky sixty year old Carol is. They're not going to be selling Carl Fredrickson fucking plushies for God's sake. You know what I mean? And it is there is some bits of it that are like, wow, they did that in a kids movie, really? Very much like Caroline as well. It's like you know, this is a. This will, you know, this might freak kids out. And I've, I've, I have heard, you know, stories online people saying kids are quite enthralled with it. With it. Well, I mean, but I, I think that, and this is something that, that hopefully will start happening less and less. But I mean, like, you, you really need to, I mean, especially today, kids are not fucking stupid. No, a good movie is a good movie. We yes. have before. I told you the thing I heard before. It's a, a kids movie and a children's movie. 
Yeah. I think a kid's movie is one that everyone... I, I get them confused, but I think one of them is one that, like, you watch as a kid and it sticks with you forever. And even as an adult, if you've seen it for the first time, it blows your fucking mind. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like it's like with the Spiderwick Chronicles. Yeah. You know, I mean... That was fucking awesome. you that, seen that? Yeah, it was a great fucking movie. Really great film. And that it didn't was, matter that the main character was a kid. I know, and that was a children's movie. Yeah. You know, that was a you know that was a family film, children's movie. But you know what? It, it was scary when it needed to be scary. It was it was thrilling when it needed to be thrilling. It was Nick Nolte when it needed to be Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte, dude, I mean, it's like, if you, if you ever need to scare the shit out of kids, just hire Nick Nolte. <laughs> that was true. But yeah, I would highly recommend. It is. It's a very interesting movie. It's a, again. It's, it shows like after Wally and this friend of Wally had the kid shit and had the fat people. This doesn't lose it to that extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have issues at the end, but I don't know about that. But it's like even just watching the credits at the end is just like beautifully done as well. But it's a really, really good movie, and it, it, it has deserved its praises it's got. And I think I should. It's as I said, it's, it's hard to review because there are so many little hidden delights you don't want to give them away. Yeah. Just them walking through the jungle, like carrying the house because he's got the fire hose from the front door wrapped around him, and just walking along with that, and just the little shit that goes on with him and the kid. It's just the relationship is great. Excellent. Definitely go see it. I will definitely check it out. All right, quickly because we're running long. What the fuck? I know, but you know, we don't we don't run long that often that much. These no, days. it's a Halloween special, even though we haven't mentioned anything scary. Wrong uh, one. <laughs> So now moving on to the uh, Malaysian box office at number ten, Peranamai. Peranamai. Don't know. Number nine, Ninja. Ninja. Not American. Ninja. Ninja. Number eight, Law Abiding Citizen. Jared Butler takes on the world again. Number seven, Whiteout. Still up there. Hmm. Number five, Inglorious Bastards. Number six, Pandorum. <laughs> usually, oh, yeah. usually I skip over. No, that was my turn. Yeah, yeah. Number six, Pandorum. Number yeah. five, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Number four. Oh, so, yeah, I want to see how cut that is. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, surrogates. I, I'll go see it with you because I can tell you. How yeah, yeah, exactly. Number four, surrogates. Number three, Papa Dom. Number two, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball. Go see it now. Number one, Artaban. Artaban. That's two weeks still, still holding on ass. number one. Yeah. Coming to the US box office top ten, Zombieland. Don't don't spoil the cameo. A lot of radio stations have spoiled a, this. Co- this, a, this a thing. lot of like like magazines have already spoiled the cameo. It's it's fucking stupid. Number, Number nine, nine cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Number eight, eight Cirque du Freak, Freak, the Vampire's, Vampire's Assistant. System. They're keeping it here, but I think they just changed it. They removed the Cirque du Freak from the title. I haven't heard any reviews of this. Have you? I have. Any good? Uh, mixed. Mixed. Mm. Number seven, The Stepfather. Mm. Number six, Astro Boy, not Kane. doing well. Number five, Couples Retreat. Also being supposed to be shit. Mixed reviews, but you know what? It's making money. Yeah. Number four, Law Abiding Citizen. Worldwide release. Law Abiding Citizen reviews have been shit. However, yeah. audiences love it. Don't seem to mind. We'll have to review that. Uh, number uh, three, three, where, where the, the wild, wild things, things are. are. It should be noted that where the wild things are um, had a significant drop in its second weekend, more so than any movie released that week. Really? Yeah. Number two, Saw Six kept up the top spot by Paranormal Activity at number one. We're gonna leave you with our regular um, audio uh, audio recording. I didn't see the title. This is walking and talking like the real thing. What we have here is uh, Kevin Polak doing his best Christopher Walken impersonation. Thank you. Hope you had a good Halloween and good night. Good night. Uh, but now my favorite, of course, is Christopher Walken. I, uh, yes. I had fun with him a couple of weeks ago, of course, Halloween. I don't dress up for the parties. It's really to scare the kids who come to the door to get the candy. So this year they got Christopher Walken. Hi! 
trick or treat. <laughs> That's a damn good question. <laughs> Trick, treat, quite the conundrum. <laughs> Having said that, my young costumed friends, as Faye would have it, I too have a question. Which one of you little kids can guess what I've buried under my house? perfectly odd to me, you know? Like you try to have a conversation with him. It seems like all of his thoughts are completely disconnected, you know. Hey Chris, how's it going? I haven't seen you. Well, Frankenstein never scared me. <laughs> really? Marsupials do. Because they're fast. And they dart. That's crazy. <laughs> I recently met uh, Christopher Walken, very strange, coming out of a party in Los Angeles, and uh, there at the end of the driveway, standing alone, looking a little lost, was Christopher Walken, and I said, uh, Chris, is everything okay? Stranded. I've been searching for an hour for the bastards that brought me. It's clear to me now, they're gone. So I... him a ride and he accepted so we're uh, going to my car and I remember that I had a break-in recently so I had a new alarm installed it came with a button you push and it starts the car before you get in so as we were approaching the car I thought this could be fun <laughs> so we're just a few feet away from the car and I start the car and he goes wow your car is alive chase me 